You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. Why don't we just roll? We've just actually roll. never done it without looking at our guests before, but let's do it. Okay, so why don't you ask him that again? Because I was actually really yeah, interested to hear that answer, and I couldn't, I couldn't hear it. <laughs> yeah, if you don't I'm mind, sorry, kick that one off again. Let me know how 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 your adaptation to Boulder's altitude. Because I think Boulder's a little lower than the Springs. I was sitting at like just a, a hair under seven thousand. What are you at? So we're at I'm where I'm at in Boulder proper fifty five hundred. So okay, um, little lower than than the Springs for sure. And I'll say this, like kind of taking a tangent. I love Carter Springs. I think it's one of the most underrated places to train. So one of my best friends, he's a pro cyclist, lives out in old Colorado city there. Um, mm. and I, I loved it. I mean, I think it's arguably might be better for training than Boulder truthfully. Um, just with, with that altitude, I love Monument Valley park. I love, uh, Santa Fe trail, all that. But, um, yeah. get back to your question with, you know, like hitting pace and stuff for a while. Um, it was for sure an adjustment, like with the BO2 work. I couldn't quite dial in like 5k work as well as I would have liked. Um, but yeah. the long run paces, that efforts, all the tempo stuff. Um, obviously you, you definitely breathe in harder, but you can still, still hit it. That's good. There's some people there who adapted real quick when I got there and it was depressing. And some people who never adapted. And I, I felt like I sat kind of right in the middle where I could feel threshold, but I was slow. I could not hit faster than VO2 max. And then long runs were kind of like 90% of the way there. Okay. Yeah. No. And it's just like, for me, long runs have always come relatively easily. Um, so like, you know, six minute pace and unders is still relatively comfortable. Yeah. I was just like, anytime you go ask me to run like an 800 at like, you know, two fifteen ish, it's like, that's a lot. That's a tall task to go do that on repeat, you know, whereas mm-hmm. it's still like I could go do that. I want to say easily, but it's much easier to run, run 68s, um, than it is, uh, you know, for extended, you know, up, up here. So yeah, for sure. And you're even high in Colorado Springs, actually. So, yeah, I went uphill about six or eight feet from so, my house to the track. So I was I was getting up there. <laughs> yeah. So you when, um you ran at the University of Minnesota. Go ahead. Yes, sir. We have a little delay. Go, go gophers. Yep. Um. Yeah, we just got yeah we got like a three second delay or something I think with the network slow. But um, so you ran at University of Minnesota, right? So I'm actually. I've been living in Minnesota in the Twin Cities for like, oh, I don't know, the last 12 years or so. So I feel like we kind of have that connection. But are you are you actually from here or where are you from? I am, yeah. So I grew up in the St. Cloud area, a small town called Foley, about 2,500 people just north of St. Cloud, 15 miles. Um, lived there all the way through you know, high school and then moved to, moved to Minneapolis. And then, uh, yeah, I was at the U through the fall of 2013 uh-huh. to through spring of 2018. So, uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, the distance Mecca of Foley. You guys are pumping out world class distance runners up there, aren't you? Uh we got we got one for sure. Um, um you know, <laughs> may, maybe some others down the pipeline, hopefully. That was uh, tongue in cheek. Someone's someone's breaking my, my records at some point. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Well it's interesting because you know, I feel like there's a I mean, good on you for moving out uh, west. Um there's like a decent contingency of people training post collegiately here in the cities. So I'm curious as to your decision, you know, did you leave right after school? Like how did, was leaving like a no brainer for you or did you consider staying and training right here in the cities? So I was kind of full on, um, 
truth be like set on saying, so I finished up competing the the spring of 2018 and I didn't make the NCAA like national meet. So I'm like, well, like what else, like what else can I do? And I have had some like former teammates. Um, they'd run grandmas before at least the half. I'm like, well, might as well just run the half. So, um, got ready to, to run the half and ended up debuting in 64, 14, um, as my half debut. And at that point too, I was like, I got a full-time job in ticket sales actually for the Gophers. I was an account executive selling season uh, tickets, partial plans and group tickets. Um, and I wanted to just work in, in a, you know, it's like department, like try to work my way up and yeah, like goal at the time was to be a power five AD. Um, we'll see if that's still in the cards. It might not be, but, um, <laughs> but we'll see. So yeah, I just went, you know, Plaz coach potential was still coaching me at that point. Um, it's like, well, maybe I can make a, maybe like possibly make the Olympic trials marathon. So like, let's go try to run a, a marathon in the fall um, and see what we can do. So long story short, built up um, through the fall of 2018 and debuted at CIM, ran 216.10. Um, the goal going in was just qualify. Like I was training for, you know, 218 mid. Um, obviously ran, beat that by two minutes. And after that, you know, the next next week, I'm on talking to Ben Rosario, NAZ, and Kevin Hansen from Hansen's Brooks. And um, at that point, it was just a no-brainer. It's like you have a chance to go, go professional, like go do it. So Made the move to uh, to Michigan after that. Joined Hanson's Brooks. Um, wouldn't be here without Kevin or Keith Hanson, and um, was with them through the 2020 trials. At that point, too, it was just I loved it. Great scenario, um, but it was just like, I just wanted to get to altitude because um, I had Tristan in Colorado Springs. Knew plenty of people out here in Boulder. Um, kind of just the Minnesota connection with with Will, Will Lear. Um, he's kind of a longtime family friend. I've known him since elementary school. Um, so made made the move out quite easy. Well, this could have been saved for way later in the episode, but I really, really like hearing about all the different camps and the different coaches. And Hanson Brooks always has this this reputation for grinders, but then there's like that, and maybe I'm just going to be blunt unintentionally and be negative about it, but there's that 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 a little bit of a rumor in the industry, like you have a shelf life there, like you grind hard, but after a while, you've got to transfer out and go somewhere else. How did their training camp style suit you as an athlete? Honestly, I, and I don't super, want that to sound negative. Well. Um, yeah, no, you're good. And for, for a lot of my training, like I still use part of their method. Like my easy days are 14 and four, 15 and five or 14 and six. Um, that's a mm-hmm. classic Kevin Hansen. They're on a nine day cycle. So it's like a, a workout two days of 14 and four, 14 and six. Um, another workout, repeat that long run. That's a nine day stretch, nine day cycle. So um, I'm, I'm personally on a seven day cycle, but I like that cumulative fatigue where it's 14 in the morning, you know, and four, four to six in the afternoon. So um, I like it, but it's, it's hard on you. Uh, mentally it wears on mm-hmm. you. Um, and for them, it's just like, you're just a pure, pure marathoner. You know, I saw like, I yeah. wanted to go try to rip, you know, some faster stuff. I also wanted to maybe dabble in some ultra stuff down the road. And I just wasn't necessarily an, an option. Um, so, you know, they're, you're going to grind like straight, straight grind. And I still, you know, put a lot of that, what I learned from Kevin in my current training, but, um, I still like being able to go on the track and rip 20 by 400 at, at 5k, you know, um, and that just wasn't right. a workout that would ever be an option there, truthfully. Um, cause I think I, I think I respond well to that work and I think I need that work. Um, I just didn't see myself, you know, doing, I knew I wasn't gonna be doing that in the future. So, um, I was like, you know, I just kind of want to make this shift. Um, obviously a, a no brainer move if I had the chance to join them after my marathon debut. Um, but I just didn't necessarily see myself doing that another, for another four years. So, um, but again, would not be where I'm at without though, Kevin. So 
That makes sense. And it's like the best on-the-job training or crash course on aerobic development you could probably find if you can survive it. So I could see how that would set you up for whatever you wanted to do in the future. 100%. Yeah. You know, and it was just like, you know, for me too, when I had the option to join, it was like, you know, like middle school, like early high school trial, it would have been like ecstatic because like, you know, Dathan was my teammate at the time, you know? So it's like someone I've looked up to since since I was, you know, 10 years old, you know, I get to get to call my teammates That's cool. a little bit and, you know, Shadrach, um, BG, Brendan, Greg, um, you know, and even the girls teams, you know, prior with, with Dez, um, and the current roster at that, that time, like Rachel Shulis, Emery Blaney, like just awesome, awesome athletes, awesome people. So, um, just, you know, great group of people to be around and train hard with for sure. Yeah. That's a cool group to have been. I'm going to slow us down to associate for, with. I'm going to, um, I'm going to slow us down just for a second so we don't get too far without the people knowing who we're talking to, Charlie. Because I, I can sense – I already want to get into the weeds with a bunch of questions for you, and I don't want to like put the cart before the horse. So the reason – a lot of our listeners may or may not know you, but uh, I had, uh, I don't know, three or four people send me a message on – Instagram being like, did you see this? Did you see this? You got to talk to this guy. And it was you smashing the the 50 mile world record. And that's what put you on our radar. Then I saw we had ties with the Minnesota guys. And we've talked to both Justin Grunewald and um, Tyler German and a number of others that I know are in your circle. And I reached, then I was like, I got to reach out to you and chat with you about this. Um, so we're talking to Charlie Lawrence, who uh, was it about a month ago, Charlie, you you broke the 50 mile world record. When was that? Yeah. So a month ago, November 11th. Month ago. Okay. Yeah. Almost a month. So or just over a yeah, month. Yeah. So we want to get to all that. And I have some very specific questions about transitioning to the marathon out of college and like all of how you got to there. But like real quick, I alluded that you were from Minnesota. And um, if we could get like just a, uh, I don't know, like a little longer than an elevator pitch on like you, you're growing up. And if you were running your whole life, like just a little bit of backstory to set the stage, that'd be sweet. So like, obviously new Minnesota, but like just walk us through like your um, athletic progression. Yeah. So kind of like, like we were talking earlier, um, if we caught on camera, you know, I grew up in Foley, Minnesota, small, small 2,500 people, central Minnesota near St. Cloud. Um, and I grew up in like a family of coaches. My dad, when I was born was like the head football coach, head track coach. My mom was a cross country coach. Uh, ended up actually getting divorced at the end of first grade for me. So that coming fall, it was either go to go to cross country practice with my mom or go to daycare. And me, I was already like like super competitive, pretty hot headed, like competitive kid. And I was like, you know, f that. I'm not going to daycare. I'm gonna go to cross country practice. So the first day of cross practice, they had a kind of like mild time trial for the junior high kids. And I ended up um, like just full sticking it from the gun and beating all the seventh and eighth graders as a second grader. So I was like, all right, like I can be, be definitely, you know, pretty good at this. So um, it was definitely just kind of, you know, there's two, three, what were you days, seven, eight, eight years old, but majority of days. Uh, how old is the first grader, seven, second grader, eight, yeah. seven, eight. Okay. So you were kicking people's butts that are like twice your age, basically. We'll just say that roughly. Yeah. And, and enjoyed it like truthfully and enjoyed it a lot. So, I was like, I definitely have, you know, some potential in this sport. And, you know, my parents never, never forced me like into it, but it was like, I just knew I could be the most competitive at that. And I liked winning, like beating people. So, um, you know, joined the cross country team in, you know, seventh, eighth grade, played basketball up until 10th grade, but then kind of went all in on track and cross country. My junior, senior year ended up winning two state titles, um, in the 3200 junior, senior year, um, 
for the state of Minnesota, then got recruited by several schools. You know, I was on um, like Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, Iowa State, Notre Dame, those schools. And, you know, you being from Minnesota, like, you know, it's at that time was a great program. And I grew up watching Hassan, Ben, Haroon, um, Rombo, those guys like just throw down in the Big Ten. So it was like, mm made a lot of sense to stay home and was obviously recruited by the Gophers and grew up a uh, Gopher fan. So stayed home, ran for Minnesota, Plaz recruited me there, got me on the crew and um, just a pretty like long developmental phase where, you know, I unfortunately got injured my freshman year, but once I got after, off, like off of that, um, just kind of a great progression throughout, especially in cross country where I was, you know, all big 10, all region a couple of times. Um, and Plaz would always tell me too, he was like, you're going to be great on the roads one day. And you know, what great meant was kind of up for interpretation. Um, but it was enough to be like, all right, cool. Like, we'll see what we can do after for sure. Um, and yeah, so that was, I guess, initially my progression, you know, from just high school, a couple times state champion in, in the state of Minnesota to Gophers, all Big Ten, all region, was never an All-American. Um, that's kind of the one feather in my cap that I, I wish I had from college. But um, nonetheless, it was, you know, a small town kid, you know, thrown down at a Big Ten level by the, by the you know, my third, fourth, fifth year. So, um, and that's a huge credit to, to Plaz for sure. Those names are cool to hear because Kirk lives in Minnesota and has for over a decade, but Kirk grew up in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and I'm from Milwaukee. And so when we were young, we had Selinski mm-hmm. was our top dog in the state, but when he left, he was supplanted by Rombo. And so I watched, you know, Kirk, yeah. Rombo won state cross for us and then had just a monster four by eight split when everyone thought he was a distance runner up at state and ran something ridiculous and closed from like... 200 meters down or whatever. So like th- these are guys that we grew up racing. And I don't think we can technically say against, but in the same fields as, and then here you are. No, Go ahead. I got a video of Chris Zielinski. I got a video of Chris Zielinski tripping me around the final flag. He's a freshman and I'm a senior or a junior. <laughs> and he trips me a hundred meters out at the sectional and he beats me. And my one shot, he cut me inside the jerk and then never again. Then I just looked at his back the rest of forever. But so don't you go saying that, Brad. Well, I, I shouldn't say that, but Rombo was uh-huh. like the legend in my class. And and I haven't heard that name in probably 15 years now. And then you just like toss it as one of the guys. It's it's cool to see that little area of runners, you know, making a splash and coming back into someone's conversation here. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and that was me too. I mean, I looked up like, look up to those guys a ton, like still, you know, still do. Like, you know, I ran, ran McCurdy Micro Marathon, you know, I guess two months ago now. And like, me and Ben Blankenship were working together up until mile like 22, you know, um, in his yeah. marathon debut. So it's, it's fun. Like when everything comes full circle and, you know, even like, you know, looked up for Rombo a ton, you know, he had, he had the M tatted on his, on his right, right thigh. Like so mm-hmm. my freshman year came around, like I got that tatted on my right thigh. So, um, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's cool. Like even looking back and, and Rombo's just a dog, man. Like he won big tens as a true sophomore against Slinsky and taking camp, you know? So, yeah. um, a guy that looked up to for a while, mm-hmm. for sure. Selinski was a legend to us, but Rombo was cooler because, like in in the state of Wisconsin, Wisconsin's obviously the top dog, but Minnesota is like that crow who goes to another school who's really attractive. We don't really know her, and when he jumped ship and went there, we're like, oh man, there's something cool about this guy. He didn't even go to Wisconsin. Yeah, and honestly, I I respect him for it. Like, shout out, I mean, he's he's one of the best gophers out there. You know, had had a hell of a career. So that's cool. He's a small town guy, New London, Wisconsin. New he grew up London, not far from uh, Green Bay, actually. But 
I remember. Oh yeah, he came in just after I had left. I'm an older man, Charlie. I'm 40 now, still still giving it my best. And Bracken, but you're 36, so we got a 36. few years on you. But yeah. um, 36. A uh, question about we've been talking. We've talked to a few collegiate coaches recently, and uh, the topic of recruiting came up. Um, how it changed so much over the years. And you mentioned, um, you know, we went to I went to college 2001 through 2005, so you know, a, a bit before you. Um, and then you just mentioned you got re- uh, recruited by like some of the Big Ten schools in particular. Can I'm very curious through your eyes, being like a, a state champ, high prospect, Division One runner. Um, what was the recruiting process like? Was it pretty hands off, hands on? Were you were they kissing your feet? Did was it what was it like? Because I we got recruited D three, D two, maybe some D one, but never like you. Walk me through that. Honestly, no. Like, like you, you wish they would roll the red carpet for you. Um, but I remember Plaza would be like, "Yeah, you know, it'd be it'd be hard to see uh see you score and after for a few years, you know, like maybe at the end of your career you'll be a, a heavy contributor." And that just like that just pissed me off. Um, but but he knew how to push my buttons from from day mm. one, you know. And just kind of same with like, you know even going to just other schools, it's like, you know, hearing this line, like, you know, looking over the football stadium or seeing the facilities and they just ask you as like a high schooler, you're like, you know, why would you, why would you not want to come here? You know, and you're just like, uh, good, good point, I guess. Um, so they kind of almost like flipped it on you to make you be like, here's, here's what we got. Um, why would you not want this? So like, yeah, you're like, yeah, you got to spot on the team. Yeah. You can get some scholarship money, but it's like, you got to prove yourself. Like, so you still have a lot of work to do. So, um, cause they, you know, they've seen, a couple times Minnesota state state champ before, you know, it's like nothing that they really hadn't, hadn't seen or they've seen guys run. You know, I was a nine, 19 guy in, in high school. It's like people can, you know, there's nine flat guys out there. So there's, there's always someone faster, unfortunately that they were probably talking to. So, um, definitely kind of, I don't say it rubbed me the wrong way, but it knew how to like get me more motivated to go, go and attack, uh, attack everything. Hmm. That first year of college, especially at a powerful school with a distance running tradition, you either take to it or you are broken. Which one were you? I got broken, and that was uh, that yeah. was also just kind of my fault, truthfully, because I, I like, I didn't, I didn't drink in high school whatsoever. Um, the night after the state meet my senior year, I got like blackout drunk and threw up everywhere, um, and just like you know, this is the first time where I have access to to cheap beer and like no one's in charge of my schedule or anything, like. I was, I just enjoyed going out too much, truthfully, like early on. Um, and a month then I got a stress fracture, like the week after GRIAC, um, my freshman year came down with a stress fracture, um, ran okay at GRIAC, like not, not terribly. Um, and I was like, oh shit. Like that was my first like real injury. Um, I just had to kind of build back from it. And by the time I was decently fit, I was, it was outdoor track season. Um, at that point too, I was only able to get a couple mediocre 1500s and then it's over. So that was my, that was the extent of my freshman year. Um, so I learned pretty quickly, you know, that's like, you can't, you got to do like, do the little things, especially, you know, Plaz called me in his office. Actually, this was, um, well, that didn't call me. He called me after my freshman year. Um, and he's like, Lawrence, Hey, you know, he kind of started off slow. He's like, I just gotta, you know, he's kind of checking up, like checking in on me, how, how everything's going. He's like, and I got to ask, you know, people were saying that, you know, you and some other people were have gone to house parties and stuff and, um, this and that. And I was like, well, yeah, you know, we, we had some fun plaz and, you know, he just goes, well, you're not talented enough to, to do that shit and just hangs the phone up. Um, 
and that and that was it. So like, <laughs> I like it. So 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 from that point, I was like, "F man, like we got to lock in. We got to have a good summer. We got to be healthy." Um, and he just knew how to he knew how to like to push my buttons and just honestly just like piss me off and motivate me. And that's like one of his best abilities as a coach. Um, so from from the gun, you know, that freshman year, going back to your question, was you know I got. I got beat up pretty, like pretty good, honestly, just because that injury, then playing catch up, um, something that was just mm-hmm. new to me, you know, where I was, you know, small town, fully central Minnesota, like I can show up to, to any race and be 50% and still win by a minute, you know, in the 32, like it's, um, to go into trying to compete mm-hmm. at a big 10 level, like they're worlds apart. So, mm-hmm. um, so a little bit of a gut check, but it was like, Hey, like you're up to the task, like got to rise to it. So, he so what happened the rest rolling, of your, uh, your career then? Yeah, no, I am. I was waiting for you with our delay. Uh, um, so that, okay, so you recovered us. from that. All I'm going to do is derail us. So you <laughs> well, keep I want us to, on we're... track for now, and I'll derail <laughs> we're gonna... later. Yeah, we're going to spend most of this episode in the weeds here shortly. So we just got to get to today, and then we're going to die. <laughs> so, uh, so walk us through the rest of your the rest of your collegiate career. Then, so you got healthy. I actually got a stress fracture my freshman year in college as well, and it only took. I don't know, sixty miles a week to do that to me. I'm guessing you guys were running more, but. Um, what uh what happened the rest of your career then how'd you come out of that you stayed healthy what was the you know once you acclimated let's say to the the volume or the intensity or both like what happened what happened to your fitness you make big jumps yeah i was was fortunate right so like that summer i'd gotten like fully healthy like got some fitness back like that spring of uh what would i guess be 2014 and then you know i was just like especially after plies just hung up the phone on me i was like bro like, come on, like, all right, like, we'll, we'll show his ass. So, um, you know, we had, we had like a lot of, a lot of older teammates were really good friends of mine. It's like, you know, it's getting close to their fourth, fifth year. Um, it's like, well, like we should be, cause we didn't make the national meet that year. It's like, we're Minnesota. We made it 16 years in a row prior, you know, to like 20, um, you know, like 2012 or whatever. Like I might be messing up the years, but we're at their 16 straight births, you know, under Plaz. Like we're Minnesota. We're expected to be there. So, um, Let's get a good summer, you know, build mileage. I hit about, you know, 80 that summer going into my, my second year, which would be the year I'd, you know, take on full eligibility. And I was like, let's just come out swinging. So truthfully, I, I probably got a little too fit that summer. Um, and the first meet of the year, we're at, we're at Cal Riverside. It's kind of us for Southern Utah. Um, ended up being our number two on the team, like my first race officially in Jersey. And I'm like, yeah, boys, we're here. We're here. So I was like, I was fifth overall in the race. Um, and throughout really that year, I hate saying it, I just kind of just faded. I, lost, I didn't lose fitness, but I was just a little overcooked, overcooked myself. Um, that summer was still scoring on the team. You know, we were like fourth in the Big Ten, fourth in the region. Um, again, just wasn't up to our level, and we actually did, didn't make the national meet. So it's like we need to definitely reload. You know, went off, had a decent track season, nothing great. Um, then really my third year is like when it started clicking. We, we made the national meet again. My first time being all region. Um kind of kept progressing really my fourth years where where we kind of struck gold with like all big 10 top 10 in cross country um all region again um but yeah go i guess going circle back to my third year back to the national meet top 20 as a team so i was like we're we're kind of back on track um again fourth year pretty solid but like the big kickers we didn't make the national meet so that kind of falls on me as was at that point as the team captain the leader um then my fifth year is kind of dealt with kind of a string of unfortunate illnesses that didn't have a good season whatsoever really on, on the track or or in cross country, um, started off really well, was, you know, almost top, like top 10 degree act. Um, it's kind of faded again. Unfortunately, it's just health issues that I couldn't control, unfortunately. So, um, 
but but throughout all that being said, it's like you know that was all developmental through through Plaz and like I said earlier, it was he was just very big on like you're gonna be great on the roads, man. You respond super super well to all this aerobic work. Um, you know, you got the speed, you got the power still like from high school. Um, you can you can rip when you need to, but also to like you can attack long runs like almost no one I've ever coached. So um, in the back of my head, it was always just kind of kind of programming me for like, Hey, maybe we can do something special, special on the roads. And, you know, obviously Plaza is someone that I, like, I trust him almost more than anyone in this sport when it comes to, comes to training and running. So, um, yeah, I guess in, in a nutshell, that was my kind of college career, but definitely in for a while, I just remember him, you know, telling me my freshman year going back, he's like, yeah, maybe, maybe it'll be a score, you know, your fourth, fourth, fifth year when I was, you know, was pretty happy to be, you know, consistent score, like essentially every single race I ran in the Jersey, which is, uh, you know, obviously love to, love to contribute to that. So did you ever have that conversation with him where he either said, Hey, I was wrong or I knew I just had to light a fire. Oh no, he, he knew. And he just knew me like from, from the get go. Like, I remember like on my visit, I'm there, like he just knows a hothead, super competitive. And again, like I grew up in Foley, like Kirk would know. It's like, there's just not a lot of competition out there. You know, we're, we're a small school, this and that, but I just had, still had this kind of arrogance about me. And when someone would try to tell me otherwise, I would just, it would just piss me off. I didn't really know how to re- reply to it. Um, mm-hmm. this is like kind of a tangent story, but, um, you know, in high school, like I remember being on the visit and he's like, yeah, what, what separates you from everyone else on this official visit? And I was like, and it was, you know, a couple other, you know, people that were like Minnesota, um, almost some of my competitors. I go, well, none of those guys have state titles. I've won one as a junior. They don't. This is where, this is a fall of our senior year. Um, just kind of that, that little arrogance, but no, he, he knew from the gun how to like question me, press my buttons. Um, and there were times too in college, like we were at each other's throats. Like he's screaming at me. Um, cause I was just a hothead or, you know, wouldn't necessarily listen or do things to a T. And, mm-hmm. Um, but he knew it would just get me fired up. Um, and I would, you know, typically respond in in the right way. So, um, yeah, he, he just knew the, um, all the right buttons to push. So Kirk, Kirk and I are closing in on like 400 episodes, which means 200 of them have been interviews. And of those probably, 80 have been more on the elite side of runners and the common thread on everyone with a late stage career still going on was a really frustrating end to their college career. It's one of those things like in the moment I worked five years for this, but it seems to be like the golden ticket to pursuing something post collegiately. Oh yeah. No. And that was the thing too. And I, I remember like, I remember being at the airport fifth year, like, Again, I was ninth in the Big Ten the year prior. It's like, shit, these seniors graduate. I could be like contending for this Big Ten title. Like, that's the goal. And I go and I finish, mm-hmm. like, you know, don't even quote me. Like, I don't even know. I was 50th, like, mis- just blew up, like, blew the hell up. Um, and like, I'm in the airport and then Plaza's like, you got a minute? And like, brings you over. Like, we're both crying. Like, we're just talking about it. It's so depressing. Um, but at the same time, too, he's like, hey, just like, we're going to rally. We got regionals. Like, we need you, da da da. So, um, yeah, there's definitely like, I just knew there was always something more in there, you know? Um, and also just cause Plaza just really developed me aerobically and I had just the strength background too throughout the years of, of working with him. Um, they just always kind of just plant that seed like, yeah, like, well, you can cook, you can cook after college, you know, there, there's stuff beyond it. Um, so don't, don't worry about this. We'll, we'll rally and bounce back. So yeah, that was, uh, definitely the low point in my college career too. Cause I was like, I'd wake up in the middle of the night, like, the summer for my senior year, just cause I had a dream that I was like an all American, you know, like that was honestly a huge, huge goal of mine in cross country and obviously didn't, didn't get it. So. Hmm. 
Yeah. Leaving unsatisfied is the best thing for somebody long-term. My collegiate career got cut short by illness myself. Bracken, I guess you're, you're finished all right. But I finished by not qualifying for nationals in three straight twilight meets, you know, last chance meets. It's like, I think if I would have qualified for nationals there individually, I would have just mm-hmm. said like, cool, I did it. Well, and you fast forward even now, how old are you, Charlie? I'm 28. 28. Okay. Um, it seems like even like, I mean, late twenties, then you get in your thirties, there's like fewer and fewer that are really chasing it. Right. And the ones who still are, I'm 40, like the ones who are like getting here and still chasing it. I feel like all had somehow in their storyline developed either a chip on their shoulder. They didn't, it wasn't given to them throughout any point in the process. Right. Or they left like unsatisfied with like one of their last competitive phases. So like, just interesting to hear, I would say even more than 80% Bracken of like our people who really are getting it. Yeah, like nobody just wins everything and then goes on and does it until they're 50. Like it just doesn't happen. But um, what was I going to – oh, I wanted to ask you something, Charlie. You mentioned um, you mentioned like, hey, I got – like I almost got too fit in the offseason in the summer training. And then you showed up about as good as you could get. And then you just kind of hung on to that fitness your sophomore year. I think maybe it was your true freshman year. I don't know. Whatever eligibility-wise. But we talk about that a good bit on this podcast. Like, um, we just had a recent episode. Like, I'm a responder, right? I respond quickly to stimulus, Bracken. You're kind of the same way. And talking about, like, purposefully holding back and not peaking too soon is actually, like, an art, right? Like, could you walk me through that in hindsight? Like, what do you think that summer specifically why would you have gotten too fit? Like people think that's impossible. How can I get too in shape too early? Like that sounds like the dream, but it's not potentially like, have you changed your approach and let's quote the off season or just like, I'd just be curious at your philosophy there. Yeah. I mean, I think with that, it just came down to me. I was truthfully like I'm in Minnesota. I'm at sea level. Like I'm just like super, super motivated. So I was running everything at like, six flat pace, you know, or like six twenty pace, you know, like nowadays, like my easy, like this morning I ran, ran seven fifteen pace, you know, like it's just take your easy days easy. And at, to an extent, like a lot of those, and I'm relatively like, I don't say undertrained at that point, like that back in that summer of 2014, but like, I didn't need to be running that fast. You know, like you're turning into almost like tempo efforts to an extent for a lot of it. So then you come, come into season, you already have probably two hard of miles underneath you. And then you're stacking, now like legit tempos, legit workouts, repeats on top of that. Um, and I just was at that point, you know, 19, um, my body just didn't, didn't recover well off of that, you know? So like we'd run slow in season together, but when I was on my own, just hyper motivated, um, I just kind of put myself, dug myself in a hole that I couldn't, couldn't crawl out of. So, and, and I think everyone has to have that one, you know, why that happened that year. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of an unfortunate thing about sport. You, you, you know, push yourself a little too far. You know, we're kind of always on that racer's edge where when you cross it, you know, you're going to get cut or fly too close to the sun and you get burnt. So I think that was one of the times where it was just like, I was just full sticking it too, like too early in that summer. Um, obviously motivation is great, but you got to also temper that motivation and, and use it says, you know, look at the goal at the end of the year. No, same with now, like with where I'm at in my career now, it's just like, you know, like take what, take what the day gives you, you know, like whatever the session gives you, like, don't force anything. Don't kill yourself on a particular session. It's like, you got an next one in a couple of days, or, you know, two days later. So take the easy days, easy, um, hit the hard ones hard when, when they're supposed to, when you're supposed to hit them. And then, uh, the rest of it, just let it take care of itself. So it's just, you know, let it kind of come to you in a way. Whereas before it was just, you're just trying to force it, make it happen, especially that summer, you know, back and you're going to say something. Well, he mentioned that you, you came out and said, 
I just trusted my coach so much that you just knew that he was going to be the one to write your programs right after this point. And I never, I never had, because I was a middle distance runner, I didn't ever have a coach where if I had suddenly woken up one day and was good at a marathon or had like someone tell me, I think you should bump up. I didn't have a coach where I was like, well, I just, I'm just going to roll with this because that what 800 meter coach outside of like maybe a Rubio or someone like that is going to be like, yeah, I'll coach marathoners too. So what, what was it about your relationship with him that you knew despite training for fives and 15s and cross and whatever, what I, I know for sure he can handle me at the marathon. What was that? Yeah. I mean, it was just Plaza's resume, man. I mean, like I remember there was a, there was a runner's world article, like, and I was, you know, one of my Christmas presents one year was like a runner's world subscription, you know, like back in like early elementary school. Um, and like they had like a, an old version of it where it was like the throwback, like don't direct quote, but it was like, it was a cover of Plaza was on the cover of runner's world at one point. Um, when he was still training professionally, like going for his third Olympic team in the marathon at the, at the age of 40. And I, and I remember seeing that being like, Holy crap, this is like, this is sick. And then he was featured in another runner's world article. And I, and I had all these like on a cork board in my room. So I just like, I always, I had a pride in the state of Minnesota. Um, love the Gophers, you know, my, one of my other uncles, I guess uncles, not other uncles, he used to work in upper administration for the Gophers. I grew up going to Mariucci, going to, going to the Metrodome to watch Gophers play. So I just like grew up a diehard Gopher fan and growing up in the sport of running, when you see someone on, on the cover of like your favorite magazine or in these articles doing features on like him or Hassan, it's like, holy crap, like this dude knows what he's doing. He almost made an Olympic team when he was, he was 40, his third one. Um, and that's obviously mm-hmm. you, you see Olympian, you see us champion, you see the program that he was building. Um, you're just like, this guy knows, knows what, what he's doing. Um, and it's just, I just gravitated towards that. Um, and for a while, you know, just like, and still do. I mean, I looked up to him just immensely as, as even like a middle schooler, you know, um, and that was, that was a mm-hmm. hometown team, the, the Gophers and, you know, he ran for him an alum, um, obviously had his, his resume, his post-collegiate resume, um, and yeah, I was just like, I, you know, just the way he was able to, to progress me too. And like we were talking about earlier, how everything, it just, you know, he knew how to push my buttons and he, he just got, like, got to know me pretty dang well as a person. Um, and that just honestly like goes, goes a long way, at least for me, it does. So, um, mm-hmm. with his resume, with how, how personally was, even though, again, we'd butt heads of anyone on the team, if, if he's using butt heads, someone was probably going to be me. Cause I would have said something stupid, done something stupid, talked back. Um, but he's also, he's just like that too. Like Plaza is a total hothead. Um, so we, so we'd clash, but we, we respect each other for it. So, um, just that, that alone, you know, is a ton of just mutual respect, you know, that we can, we can go at it with each other, but then we're, we're best friends the next day and we're, we're back to work. So, um, not okay. the thing with him, just Makes kind sense. of an ultimate grinder, tough ass, tough ass dude. So, so did you stay there on campus or was he writing remote for you? So I lived on campus really all five years. Then actually I moved to the North Loop. Um, so I lived, lived in downtown Minneapolis. So I was just, you know, a couple of miles away really from, from campus. So he was, I was essentially kind of writing my own training and then giving it to Plasma. Like, what do you think? And he, he'd critique mm. it here and there. Um, but then too, like there were times where, you know, like there's certain hours you can only get into the field house and I had to be in the office at like 7.30. Plaza would give me his car to scan myself in at 5 a.m. in the morning to go do like track intervals on the indoor track. You know, or like there are a couple times he'd meet me there, or meet me on the bike if I had to run really early. 
um, on the weekends, if the boys had a workout, he'd be like, yo, we're meeting at, we're meeting at the course, you know, meet us out. If you want to do some like grass reps or just, you know, warm up with them, then go do your own thing. So he still kept it involved. Again, it was weird being, having graduated. I mean, they're still, you know, my teammates are still my friends and stuff, but it was just kind of weird also being like an employee of the university, being coached by Plaz and also kind of hopping in practice with my teammates when it worked out, my old teammates. Um, <laughs> but it was great. I mean, he, he made it work and you know, most of the time was, most of the stuff work was on my own, but he made it work, you know, like once a week, once every other week. Um, but it's always, we stay in contact because we were essentially, you know, both University of Minnesota employees, me and Ticket Sales, him, the coach. Um, but again, he was, any questions, anything that came up, he was, he was a call text away, you know, even to the second, he's, he was a call text away. So. Okay. And were you the only alumni there or guy around there doing the marathon route then? Or was there a little crew that would get together for this type of thing? Yeah, it was, it was just me at that time. You know, like I was, I was finishing up, um, you know, OPSA was, he was doing the steeplechase, but he was doing a little higher miles than a lot of the guys. So he'd be able to sync me and OPSA up on just some strength stuff. So that was really fun. And OPSA to this, OPSA Ali, he's one of my best friends. Um, so he'd be able to sync us up, but I was only the pure, pure marathoner. You know, there are even some days where it'd be like, I'd run at, you know, 5 a.m. in the morning and then practice was at 2.30 every day. And if I could like somehow get out, get out of the office at like 2.30, like I could also sneak into to practice and go back to the, to the office for, you know, the extra, you know, last 45 minutes to an hour of the day from like four to five, um, to get just in double runs with, with some of the guys of the team. But, uh, majority of the, like really no marathoners to answer your questions, mostly just, just me and the other guys are running cross country and, you know, track. So. Okay. What's the biggest fight you and Plaz ever had? I want to hear about that. Is there one oh, real headbutt oh, that stands out to you? Well, so there was one at camp. Well, there's there's two in particular. Um, there's one at camp where there's we do this run called Q Loop, um, and it's like it's kind of the first what I call workout at camp where it's like the route looks like a Q. So you go out kind of in this loop, um, and it circles like what'd be around. It's an out and back, and there's a cut across road to where you start. So it, like from the map, it looks like a Q. So everyone runs easy on the out. You flip around and you take this cut across. And we're going into cube and it's the first, first test of the year. Like he's like, rip, rip the cube, but everyone stay together, but run hard. Well, we get that. This is my, start of my third year, um, you know, at training camp up in, up in Nevis, Minnesota. And, um, the, like the first group was like Aaron Bartnick, Adam Zutz and Obsa. Um, they go to my group was like myself, Matt Welch, Wade Hall, like kind of, we're all friends, but they're also like guys from like kind of high school rivals and such. Um, which, you know, we're, we, we should be growing up at this point, but we still like throw punches at each other when we can in, in workouts and such. So, um, we get to this part of the queue where he's supposed to pick it up. Right away, Wade just guns it. Wade Hall, who's a, he's a Stillwater guy. Um, and I'm like, F and I'm not like, I'm responding to this. So I just like, I start hammering this queue loop. Um, I guess long story short, like we ran some of the fast times anyone's ever run on it. Like the only person that had run faster was Hassan ever. Um, and we, we go to like cool down after, after this run. Um, just kind of jogged down for, I don't know, half a mile, whatever. And Plaz comes over to, to me, Matt Welch, who is a kind of a high school rival, still a friend of mine, um, Wade. And then we, like, we just, our group got demolished. No one actually finished together. Um, I will say I, I did drop everyone on that run though. So, um, but, but, but he comes over and he's like, what'd you guys run there? And I'm like, uh, we're, we're, we're a little quick. And he goes, well, the first group said, you know, if, uh, the big 10 team was held, it'd come out a year. You know, no one on, in their group would make it because uh, you guys dropped everyone. What dropped everyone? And I just kind of went like, like out loud, just went whatever. 
He's like, you got an effing problem? Just, then he's, we're at blows. He's at my throat. He's like, I don't give a F like how hard, like how well you run, how hard you run. You run like that. Like I'll get the fucking transfer papers shipped up here right now. You can sign them and get the F off this team. <laughs> um, and I'm just like, I'm like, okay. I'm like, all right. I'm like, do it tough guy. Get him up here. Have him faxed up. Like I'll like, then send me home. Like you got to, you got to drive mass back to Minneapolis though. Um, so, so that was one where we're like, we're just at each other's throats. You guys were at it. You guys are throwing F bombs and. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, that's oh, passion yeah. right yeah, there. He's, he's, I could never imagine yeah, that with any of my coaches. From, I couldn't even imagine. Yeah. His, <laughs> his face is two inches from mine and we're both like foaming from the mouth, screaming at each other. And everyone's just watching. Like, you know, and, and ultimately, you know, you know, two days later, he's like, Hey, like, I didn't mean that. Like you're having a hell of a camp. That was honestly an, an impressive run, but like, you just didn't listen. I'm like, I know, I know. Like, sorry, sorry, Plaz. Da, da, da. So, um, that was probably the biggest. And then there was another one too, where same thing, just kind of a confusion on a workout. It was like, go run a moderate effort. My group ended up catching the front group. Um, cause I was pushing the pace and he's like, you know what? what happened there? And then one of my other teammates is like, well, we just kind of confused on, on the pacing. And I was the teammate that like, I'd, I'd back up my other teammates. So like, so Adam said, he's like, we just were confused on the pace. And then I jump in to back him up. I'm like, yeah, Plaz, we just weren't quite sure on what you meant by moderate. And of course, then he, he zooms on me because I came in to kind of back up Adam and just kind of the same exact thing. Like, you know, like this is all your fault. Like, da da da. like you completely blew this like workout. Like, uh, meet me in my office after and like he had cooled down by the time I got to his office but um, it's kind of the, the same stuff uh, but it was just like we then I like I didn't take shit ever so I just like threw it back in his face like like you didn't describe it well that's on your ass like I ran what I thought was a moderate pace they ran too slow the other group ran too fast that ain't on me um, so it's impressive you guys survived this I don't know about you Kirk but I saw like four or five of these in five years and half the kids just left like if the coach had yeah. said you're going to be out, they just wouldn't have shown up anymore, or the coach would have actually booted them. It's it's kind of like I'm sure it sucked in the moment, but it's kind of cool that you guys could like fight using the same love language and get over it. Oh yeah, no, and we're we're so again we butt heads because we're so similar, but we also we understand each other really well, you know, because of that. So um, yeah, just a ton of ton of mutual respect and the fact that like that he knew like he knew to an extent too like if he was going to pick on someone he could pick on me because truthfully i could take it there were some teammates and this is like not taking shots at them that like truthfully just left the program because plaid plaza go off on them once and they just shut down like wouldn't like mm-hmm. they take it they wouldn't respond and they'd just be like plaza's a dick to me and then they'd they'd leave and like i mean yeah like he was a dick to me on occasion but it's like it's how you respond to it you know and just like he's pretty old school in that manner which is you know nowadays in, in with coaching no one really no one likes like it doesn't work nowadays but for me i was still my parents are old school that's kind of how they coached how my dad was coached how my grandpa coached um guys grew up with it so i was i knew what to expect and i just one like two i didn't take it i was a hothead as well but there's you know just a lot of a lot of respect for him no matter what so and and, and he saw too like just kind of how, how hard i worked um every day and obviously he respected that <laughs> yeah we glorify the uh the grind right and in the endurance space but every almost every time you hear about a coach athlete interaction it's either because they're actually doing really bad stuff like let's say you go out and get a drinking ticket or something yeah you're gonna get chewed out but most of the time it's 
because you're working too hard. Mm-hmm. Kids get yelled at for working too hard. It's like such a misconception in the space. We have a lot of, you know, a lot of listeners that never ran in college. They're picking it up midlife or something like that. Everybody thinks they got to go out and just push. And it's like about inside out every single time you put on your shoes, especially on a quality day. And it's just funny that the biggest headbutts came from you actually pushing too hard where coaches like, yo, buddy, slow your roll. What are you trying to do? Be a hero today? take away from your race tomorrow. Like that's not the point. And so it's just interesting that your interactions didn't come from you dragging ass or being, you know, wimping out. It's because you were like sinking your teeth into efforts. It's just a common theme you find in collegiate athletics that coaches trying to temper enthusiasm. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing too. And, and, for, and from the get go too, again, he just going back to him, knowing, knowing me as a competitor and just kind of a hothead, like just him being like, yeah, you know, maybe it'll be a score your last couple of years. And it was just me from the get go. Like I'm going to prove his ass wrong. You know, so, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just kind of funny how, how that works. You know, he, he never had to tell me to, to, to not be lazy or anything like that. That's for sure. So, and, and he knew that from, from the gun. So I think team runs mm-hmm. get tricky when you have someone like yourself who has a noticeable difference in skill at a certain type of run. Like at the D one level, everyone's talented. Everyone's tough. Everyone was a state champ or runner up. Like it's, it's not special to be good. But when you have a noticeable ability to, let's say, hammer a long run and it doesn't cost you the way it costs the rest of the team, one like real strong horse like that can crack a team. And it's got to be tough on a coach to to realize, like, I've got to reward this guy and feed him. But at the same time, if we let him just do his thing that he's good at, it can really ruin our year. Yeah, well, and that's one thing, too, that Plaza's really good at where, you know, my Really, my best friends on the team, one of them just got married a couple weeks ago down in Georgia. It was, it was there. It was a great wedding. It was like Christian Scarrett, Adam Zutzrell, two years older than me, Blaine Dillian, three years older. Um, we worked super, super well together. And that was one thing, too, where he'd be like, I'm going to put you with these guys. Like, they're older, they're a little stronger, but we're going to give you, like, kind of their workload. And then when you get to their mm-hmm. age, like, I promise I'll let you go go do your own thing, especially when it comes to these long runs. Like, my fifth year and stuff, and even fourth year, like, I, I was capped out about a hundred minute long run, you know, my third year, fourth year, he got to like an hour 50. Um, and he just like, we get to, you know, wherever we're running in Minneapolis, um, whether it's river road, whether it's like, um, you know, we'd go run up as North Oaks, kind of out near Plaza's house. He'd be like, he, we'd get there. He'd be like, Lawrence, like, get your, like, get your shit on, like, go run. We'll have the team run. You know, we'll send them out 15 minutes after you. Cause like you, like, go ahead, like go ahead, take the first hour easy hammer the last 15 minutes if you want like you do go do your things he was very good at like honestly telling me he's like giving you the workload of these older guys when you should be doing this when you get to their age like just i'll do it correctly like you'll be able to go and rip if you want so that was kind of fun too you know my last couple of years when you know i had like an hour 50 like hour easy 50 minutes cut it down sub six if you feel good um so it's like kind of a, i don't say an honor in a way but it was, it was fun just kind of knowing that you know, mm-hmm. he just progressed me super, super well on that aerobic side and, and I adapted, adapted well to that work. So were you just excited then to move to the marathon or the half, I guess, initially? I was excited. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was, it was just like, it was like, cool. I have a, you know, I guess the, what I call, you know, track sharpness from the season prior. So it's like, hopefully we can make, you know, a five minute pace feel easy. And even, even going into grandma's, the Gary book and half in 2018, you know, everyone's always asking me like, you know, Oh, what's the goal? What's the goal for this? And I'm like, I don't know, 66, 67, I think would be, would be good, but I'm coming off of, you know, would be like, a, again, I didn't necessarily PR my fifth year in track, but it was like, it was an okay year. Not what I expected. I was hoping to make the national meet in the 10 K didn't. Um, so like looking back, obviously disappointed, but it's like, okay, like I'm able to run, you know, 440 pace on the track. Like 
maybe I should be able to run, you know, five, 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 five pace, you know, for a half. Well, like ended up mm-hmm. going able to, able to run, you know, 454 in that, you know, and everyone's like, you run 64 half. It's like, well, that should translate to a 215, 260, 217 marathon. Um, so with that being said, it was like, after that, I was like, cool. Like you might have actually a pretty good free opportunity on the roads here after that, that half, you know, in, in 2018. Um, and it was just, again, slowly ingrained in me by, by Plas too, that like the way you've responded like aerobically to all these long runs and stuff over the, the past five years, like you could translate really, really, really well, you know, like again, what that means we'll see. And obviously it's, you know, at the time, you know, super shoes weren't, weren't what they necessarily were at the time. So it's like 64 mm-hmm. was a lot faster, you know, back then than it is now. But at the time I was like, I was ecstatic with it, you know? Yeah. The marathon post-collegiately wasn't a thing, at least not when I was done with college. It wasn't even talked about. It wasn't like you got done with cross or your last track season. And I was a 1500 guy, so maybe it was certainly not my thing, but like, um, wasn't like, I don't recall anybody being like, yeah, I'm going to go do the hit the marathon right out of college. If you were good, you went and stuck to maybe some sort of like track circuit, or you tried to join a team and then race cross country post collegiately. And then obviously hit these high end track meets. Maybe it's just where I was going, you know, where I was from, but it didn't feel like that was like a natural progression post collegiately. And this is, you know, 20 years ago, 18 years ago. Um, and obviously you weren't in college then, so you don't have the perspective, but do you feel like that's different? Like, is it very common now? Like where, you know, you see like a Connor Mance, for example, who's gone and done very well immediately into the marathon. I don't have one teammate or association from my collegiate graduating era that like went on and started tackling marathons, like immediately, not one. Is that just like what people do now? Or are you an outlier still? I think so. Yes. And no. I think it's like kind of double faceted where, you know, for me, I wasn't fast enough to, to stay on the track. You know, I just wasn't like 29 minutes and 14 low. Just, that's just not going to do it. You know, I'm not going to make a, an Olympic trial starting line. I'm not going to make a U.S. championship starting line, you know, at, at, either, at either of those distances. So it's like, where can I go be, go be lethal? It's like, maybe there's an opportunity on the roads. Um, at time, you know, post 64, the goal is just go qualify for the trials, you know? Um, and obviously it just went well enough where I had a, had an offer after, but, um, kind of getting back to your question was, you know, I would have loved to stay on the track if I could. And that's where like, you know, Connor, you know, he's kind of an anomaly where he can go run 207 for the marathon, but he can also go run 27 high for the 10 K. So he'll, he, he might, he might be on, you know, the, the Olympic trials line, you know, depending on how the marathon goes in the 10 K or 5 K. Um, right. just cause he's, he's just that good. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of, it kind of varies for sure to, to answer your question. But, you know, for me, I just straight up was not mm-hmm. good enough to go, go compete on the track, you know? So for me, it was like, if you want to keep continuing the sport, it's like, let's go try the marathon. What was that timeline mm-hmm. like then? You ran grandma's, which is really common for the, for people here in the Midwest. I feel like all of our mutual friends who pursue trials, they start one of like two or three places and grandma's is one of them. And then you eventually you're over at Hanson's. How, what, what was that gap like? Yeah. So that was June, 2018. Um, and then, you know, the next race and you know, I run 64, 14. Everyone's like, dude, what's next? Like, what are you going to do? Um, you know, are you going to try to get your Charles qualifier? I'm like, well, that's the goal. I don't know where, well, fortunately, you know, Plaza had run CIM in his debut. He had won it, you know, in his debut two twelve, like 30 something, I think. Um, he's Jeez. like, well, and so I went back to plaza. I'm like, what do you think of Cal International? He's like, it's like, I think, uh, that'd be a good idea, man. Like that's, you know, that's where I debuted. Um, you know, or 
half a year out from that, I think it's plenty of time to get more, still get you stronger. Obviously, hopefully get you fitter and, you know, go get that, go with that qualifier. So, um, yeah, that was really just it, you know, increased, increased volume, um, actually stepped up from what would be, you know, 5k, 10k session to pure marathon sessions where I'm ripping, you know, two mile reps. I'm, you know, got me up to a 25 mile long run, sub six pace, um, several 20 plus milers that I hadn't necessarily done before. Um, and also too, that one thing that I like going back to what we were chatting earlier is like, he also had me do, you know, like one session he had me do was just like a three mile tempo, three mile repeats and 20 by 400, just like still keeping that speed as well. You know, trying to run 70 seconds for this, for the 400. So a lot of variation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a mixed bag is, is what he would call it, but just trying to check, check all the, uh, all the systems and get me ready. So, um, again, and it was kind of just me throwing ideas out there and him being like, that sounds good. Let's modify this. Let's do this for really that, you know, July through December, early December of, of 2018. And yeah, so it just went so well enough to 1610, um, felt, I don't want to say effortless, but felt pretty dang easy. So about 20 miles and it's like, well, we've got so much time in the bag, just bring it home. So, um, again, it went as well as, as I could have ever expected. And yeah, I was, had to run 218, something disqualified. I doubt I would have been on the phone with, with Kevin, you know, the, the next week, but obviously you're on 216. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, it says a little bit more and then, you know, joined about five, six weeks later. So, um, so you're yeah, six months cool, but again, from debut class, to pro camp. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Spot on. It's not bad. Right. I guess I, I, I guess what would be half marathon debut to then the yeah. marathon debut and then, you know, six weeks after the marathon debut. Yeah. And what was that transition like then? So, and then so um, you so like going back to college? Honestly, so so it was kind of crazy. So I had, you know, I finished up in college, um, lived on campus, lived with lived with roommates. You know, moved to moved to downtown Minneapolis. Ended up like having my own. Before I moved to Michigan, I had my own one bedroom, uh, one bath apartment downtown Minneapolis, Hennepin and Washington. Um, loved it. Then I essentially moved back to what would be the Hans house, which was a college house. So it was like back with the boys again. <laughs> which for a little bit was a bit of a shock to me because I'd, I'd gotten used to having my own space, my own bathroom, my own bed, all that, my own living room. Um, but it was, it was it was ultimately just like just training camp, you know, just in Michigan. I moved in the winter. It was like one of the coldest winters ever. You know, the polar vortex had rolled through. Um, but it's just like my job every day is to get up and, and run now. So it was like it was pretty surreal, you know, when I first got there. Um, but, you know, Quickly, it sinks in like, okay, this is new training. You got to adjust. You got to, you know, tailor your lifestyle to this fully because I was working a full-time job, doing grad school and all that prior to CIM where now it's like my sole thing is is running now. So um, kind of had to had to reshift, refocus, and it was a bit of a shock at first, but now it's like, you know, now I kind of, now that I'm five years removed from that, I completely fully, fully embrace it. And that was one that's nice, but having like Shadrach and Dathan, like they truly kind of they showed you how to do it, you know, or even in college, it's like, you got classes, you got, you know, girlfriends, you got all kinds of stuff. So I'm curious about money, Charlie. There's this thing. If you're a pilot, right, you get your pilot's license, you go fly for a major airline and you make absolutely nothing. When you first start working as a pilot, they live in these like pilot party houses where everybody makes 30 grand a year flying for Delta and six people can afford one apartment until they get their tenure ship and their breakthrough. And then they make their real living and, and, um, can finally like get a house of their own and all of that. And I envision that being very much the same way, like leaving a career and going running for like Brooks Hansen, 
Like it's like welfare. It's like glorified welfare living. Like you're barely scraping by. There's no surplus in your bank account to chase a dream. I've never done that because I'm not good enough to do that. But is that what it's like? Are you guys living together purely because you're broke and because it's your only option? Or is that by choice? Like, I just want to like, it's glorified. It's the dream. I'm pursuing a career in running. Oh my God. It can't get better than that. But like, are you eating ramen noodles, uh, you know, and, and checking your bank account every other day? Like, talk to me about that. You know, tr truthfully, no. And I was pretty fortunate where I had enough like runway from my prior job, and, you know, enough, like just small payments mm. here and there from, from them where, well, that's the thing too. Like I'll say this rent is free. Like we don't pay for any, we, we'll do, our only expenses are food. So life is great. They have travel, housing, okay. um, you know, bonus structures, you know, they have a small tiered system based on how fast you've run. So you do have a, a small base if you hit certain criteria. Um, you know, they, they prize match okay. money from races. So like the, the only thing that we have to worry about is, is beer money and, and groceries, truthfully. Um, so it was, it really wasn't that bad at all. Like I could have gotten another place, but I just would have, would have paid for it. But it's like, why well, to do that when I have free, free rent, you know? So, um, it was honestly just a pretty good setup at, at the time. Um, so no, no complaints with it, but they, you know, there's some people that like, and also I'll say this, they get, they do give you a job in the stores if you want that as well. So you can be a part-time employee at Hanson's run shop, which is awesome. I personally, I didn't want to work in retail. So I just through some mutual connections. I worked part-time in ticket sales back for at Oakland university there in Auburn Hills. Um, I was able to get, get a job there just kind of middle of the day, like 11 to, to three or four every day. Or there's some days where it's, where I couldn't go in cause I was just busy training or something and they didn't, they didn't really care cause they didn't really do outbound sales prior. So my job was just to get in and make 10, 15, 20 calls a day to for outbound season ticket sales. And you know, my job in Minnesota, I was making minimum 65 a day. So like, so that was, that was easy work for me in a couple hours. Um, so that was also just kind of extra money on top of, you know, what I was making, you know, making not, not a ton as a runner, but was, was getting by for sure. So if not financially, okay. then I've just been, I've always just been curious about that aspect of things. I know it's a little touchy to talk about, but like, you know, if you're one of the really, really good guys, eventually you get either some sort of bigger contract or you're making enough race winnings, but like the guys that don't right? like, let's say the, the bottom third of the team, you know, I it just, it's, and it obviously depends on which team you're a part of as well. But I just always imagine like you're sacrificing a lot of men and women are sacrificing like financial life progression to go pursue a dream and maybe it works and maybe it doesn't. So I always think that like stands out to me. Like you had a, a career in something that you went to school for at least start of one and then, you know, left it. I just think that's, a, it's a, it's gotta be a little bit like, of course you're pursuing your dream. So it's comf You probably feel good about it, but I would be a little scared about it. Right. Like it's a risk at minimum. Oh, for, for sure. And that was my thing. And I didn't want to, you know, I'm not talking down on retail or anything like that. Like, Shout out to people who work retail. I, I just can't do it anymore. Um, so I was like, you know, I got to try to stay connected to college athletics somehow. And that's where it just like, just worked out with open university. And like, I'm still, still great friends with people I work with there. You know, Steve Waterfield, the head AD, you know, text me after my 50 miler. Um, so it's made a lot of great connections there and still stayed connected to the injury industry. Obviously I'm a little, a little farther removed now since I moved to Boulder from that, but still keep in contact with everyone that I met, you know, at Oakland, obviously at Minnesota. Um, and all that. So it's interesting. Maybe if, the, if everything falls into place, you know, in the next, you know, whenever I retire officially from professional running, maybe I get back into that. But um, that was a way to hopefully, at least while I was in Michigan, kind of keep, keep sort of connected to that career and, and the, the college sports world. Changed a lot though in the last five years. I'll, I'll tell you that. So 
if it wasn't financial, the the big adjustment for you, what was the training style change? Because you you left what what five straight years of stability behind you, coaching wise and style of training probably didn't change too much in terms of philosophy. What was it like joining an established pro team where you're kind of a freshman again and there's a totally different training style? Yeah, it was just you know, and and here's and this is my thing, like probably the most the most, I don't say fatiguing thing, uh, but it was my first time, you know, living away from, from Minnesota. Um, first time actually mm-hmm. like, getting properly homesick is what I'd call. Um, even too, even down in, in Minneapolis, it was, you know, I, I wouldn't go home really much at all, maybe over the holidays, but it's like, I'd see my parents every couple of weeks, you know, like at the longest stretch. Um, so for there, it was just like just getting into like a completely new environment, a different state, obviously a new training system. Um, and me too, for the first time where it's, I don't have dining hall access, you know? So it's like, I got to cook on my own. Mm-hmm. Also, I have to make sure I'm, I'm eating enough, mm. um, you know, and just like, that was probably just like one of the biggest adjustments to it was like purely cooking. Even as a boy too, I could still get into some of the dining halls and stuff if I was lazy enough um, and do that. Or like even live, live in downtown Minneapolis, it's like you got restaurants right out your back door. So um, it was just like the small adjustments like that. And obviously you turn into training, um, get into the Hanson's marathon method where for Plaz and kind of how I do it is I would always for the big sessions, I'd always make sure I was like ready to hit them pretty dang hard with Hanson's. It's the cumulative fatigue. And again, it, it works. You just have to embrace it and kind of get through it to like really pop off and workouts and races. I didn't really mm-hmm. embrace it long enough or wasn't there long enough to probably take full advantage of it, truthfully. So, um, I'd show up to, to some workouts just like just tired from, from the day before, you know, like a 14 and four day and then trying to run two by six miles or, you know, two by four miles at like, half marathon pace or, you know, five flat pace, whatever it was like, that was hard. But that was just what I wasn't used to. Like usually the day before I'd do like, maybe I'd do a double like 10 and five. And then the day before I just do an easy 10 or 11, 12 max, just with some try just to get ready. Um, then too, it's <laughs> like, you go bang up that session. It goes, okay, maybe not great. Then you do another 14 and four day as a recovery day, you know? And you're just like, that was a whole, I just hadn't ever been in before. So that was definitely an, an adjustment for me. Um, uh, probably the, just the biggest adjustment. So we got a question, Kirk and I, from a, a listener this week that's about this exact topic. And I don't know how Hansen would address this specifically. So I'm just going to pose it to you. On days like that, where you show up and it's just, you're not ready to hit, let, let, let's say what it was, five flat pace for whatever, two by two mile or three by two mile, whatever you were doing that day. What did they prioritize there? Did they prioritize get the work done at whatever's available to you or you're going to hit the pace as long as you can and then we pull the plug? You're going to get the work done and you're going to finish finish the workout even if you're blowing up. Well, it was kind of was kind of their mentality. So, um, you know, even if so, like, you just got through everything. It was what I call just all. You just got like get the work done no matter what. You know, there was one day yeah. I showed up to Stony Metro Park and this is like this is the fall of 2019. Um, and it's like, we had an ice storm. It snowed the entire night before, but they, you know, kind of plow the, this bike path, the Stony Metro park, it's a six mile loop and we get there and it, it's just me, um, for the workout. Cause I know everyone's like, I have the Philly half, so no one else is there. Everyone was kind of around for like, for Thanksgiving or, you know, going and stuff. Um, and it's, sh- I'm not kidding you. It's sheer ice, sheer ice, the entire thing. Um, and Kevin's like, well, we probably shouldn't wear flats today. So let's just wear the for trainers for this. And I had like four, three, two, one was the workout. And we did it. And I did it on like straight ice, just in trainers. And he's like, you know, it's like, it's just gonna be an effort day. Don't necessarily worry about pace, but we need to do it. I'm like, and they're very anti-treadmill. 
So it's no matter what, I had to do it. And like, I'm guys, I'm, it's like an ice rink, like no exaggeration. Like I'm 530 pace feels like a dead sprint, but that's like about what it ended up being. It was like 530 for the four, maybe like 525 for the three, 520 for the two. And then like, you know, a 510, the last mile. It hurt so bad. It was so cold, so windy, so icy, but it's like work's got to get done, man. So that's just kind of kind of their mentality, which I appreciate it. But on that day, I'm like, I'd have been like, get me to lifetime. I want to be on the treadmill, man. But I, I didn't have I didn't have that option, or, or they wouldn't let that be an option. Which again, like, like northern or you know Michigan tough, you know Minnesota tough. So you got to embrace it to an extent. But that day, I was like, it hurt really bad. So it's just so low. And then I remember the next day, my hip flexors were so messed up, my hamstring was jacked up. Like the next couple of days were pretty miserable because that that was a uh, there was a lot of cost to that workout for sure. So. We got to get to the good stuff here, Charlie. So let's progress ourselves because we got to get to today, right? We got to figure out how this 50-mile world record attempt came to be and how we got here. But I want to like sort of just hit your highlight points between like we just left off 2019 through like let's say the first of this of 2023. Like what was your progression like these last few years? And then I want to get into uh, – where this crazy idea came from. So uh, walk us through like the next few years of your career, if you could. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So was with Hampton. So the 2020 trials, I played 61st, which truthfully, like it's kind of mixed emotions. Like at the time, disappointed, I guess looking back, still kind of disappointed in that performance, but it's like, I did what I could on the day. Like I was pretty tired on the start line. Um, just again, hadn't fully um, did all the hands training, embraced it, but just like didn't respond well to it. You know, like I was just still, not used to that cumulative fatigue. Um, and again, I know what I've done now, fast forward to now, like that's, I do 14 and four and 15 and five, you know, like that, those are my easy days. So like I've fully embraced it cause there's something to it, but getting back to, to that year, 2020, you know, post trials. So it's March, 2020 COVID starts hitting, like things are shutting down. I'm probably going to leave, leave, uh, leave the group. I'm just like, I want to go do something. So I go visit my buddy Tristan in Colorado Springs. Um, you know, run with a couple guys out here in Boulder, like, like Will, um, Reed Fisher, those guys, just Minnesota boys. Like, Hey, like you should totally make the movie if you're thinking about it. So, um, long story short, ended up making the move out here that summer of 2020. Um, and just, you know, wasn't quite sure what, like, I didn't really want to run a marathon, but the only race that was happening was the marathon project. Went into that, took a swing, blew up, ran 219. You know, when you go out in 65 and change, it's just fully not prepared for it. Um, so left that pretty disappointed, but over the years, I guess when I joined Hanson's moved to Michigan, got to know Ryan and Des pretty well, you know, Ryan Linden, Des Linden, um, over beers, over coffee, you know, just small DMS, like just funny shit back and forth. Um, talking, talking, um, like fashion with Des, you know, beer with Ryan, all the meals, talking deer hunting with Ryan. It's just like, we got to become pretty good friends. Um, and I was actually down in Arizona. This is going to be the what I guess the early spring of 2021, um, we're doing, I guess we did a training camp down there. Um, the group I was with at the time under coach Corey Leslie. Um, and then went back down a couple, couple weeks later for a race, stayed with Des who was down there for winter training camp. Um, she's like, I'm like, what do you got? What do you got on the calendar here? She's like, you know, I'm going to go for the 50 K world record. And I was just like, shoot, like if I can help in any way, you know, let me know what help meant was up for her interpretation. But, um, long story short, a couple weeks later, she said, Hey, um, I need a pacer. Are you interested? Like I'll have Josh kind of coordinate all of it. Josh Cox, our, our agent. Um, so long story short, we go ahead and, you know, I pace, you know, 
quote unquote pace Des. She did all the work. I was just keeping her company for for her race, but you know, I paced her at at what was five forty seven pace for for fifty k, and obviously that's nineteen you know eighteen miles and change shorter than fifty miles. But Walmsley's record at the time was five forty eight pace, and I was like, that mm-hmm. was pretty easy. Like I I didn't taper for it. I doubled the day before, ran an easy ten the, the day after doing doing fifty k. Felt 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 great. <laughs> And I was like, you know what? I think I could do that for, for 19, you know, 18 more miles. Um, so that was the first time in my head it clicked where I'm like, I think I can go, I think I can go get this thing at some point. So, um, the plan was to try to go get it actually last year in 2022, but came down with a grade four sacral stress fracture, which is all on me, um, in January of 2022, where I felt it right away. I just kept training on it. Like I was getting ready for the, for the 50 K champs in February. Um, ended up doing like 15 by K on it, ran a 25 miler on it. I couldn't walk couldn't get out of bed. Just kept like popping a leave and rubbing Volterran on it until I could, you know, until it kicked in. And then I go try to run. Um, but eventually, too, my physio was like, You're an idiot. Get an MRI. We need to pull the plug. Um, so I was really out. Like, I raced the Houston half January 2022. Then my next race was this year, February 2023. It was the Austin half marathon. Even then, I still wasn't very fit because wow. I, I missed. I was like, Yes, I was cross training, but, um, you know, just, it's, you can't simulate running. You just can't. And the bike, in the pool. But I was crossing a minimum of three hours a day, really the entire time. Um, but just in the back of my mind, I was like, you know, getting in the pool on the bike, it's like three hours in the pool shouldn't bother you because you're going to need to run four hours and 40 minutes and change, you know, if you want to go get this record, you know, or like a six hour bike ride is nothing compared to what you're going to have to do if you do want to go get this, this record. So, um, yeah, it's kind of got healthy through fully healthy through this spring, got, got more fit. Um, the Charles qualifier, qualifier window opened up, you know, while I was injured. So I couldn't go get my qualifier early. Um, wasn't fit enough to go get it this spring. So really this summer I was like, I was actually with Des in Michigan. Um, and I wasn't necessarily happy in this, in the situation I was with just coaching's, um, lineup kind of being told to do which races. And this is still in the back of my mind. And, um, you know, and Des was just like, dude, you can only talk about this for so long. You know, you should probably just go do it. So I'm like, you know what? I think I can get, get uh, two boxes checked at the same time. So like, maybe I can do my marathon, get fit enough, then use that as a final kind of a last major workout for the 50 mile world record. So um, long story short, like this fall, you know, ended up racing McCurdy micro ran two sixteen ten. 10, so literally tied my PR to the exact second um, as just a workout. You know, I, I, I tapered, I tapered a little bit. Um, not like, I think I left probably two fourteen high two fifteen low, like a very nice PR on the table, but the goal was still go get this world record. So, um, use that as literally just a workout, I, you know, longer warm up, well, longer cool down after a marathon. I think I was the only person that cooled down that day. Um, and then, you know, long story short, when I, when I got the, the 50 mile world record on, on November 11th. So, um, yeah, I was just, you know, as soon as I left, you know, roots running the group I was with, I, you know, I was only running 80 miles a week, 85 topped. I'm like, I need more. I've always run more. Um, definitely picked up volume, picked up intensity, um, rest during workouts decreased, um, and just really just up my training, training level a ton this summer. You know, I ran, got to 140, 145 miles a week, hit that four weeks in a row in August. Um, a lot of the miles around it were, you know, 120, 130. Um, and just, yeah, I just kind of just rebuilt myself from, uh, from, you know, the, the spring and really got really pushed a lot of fitness this summer to, to get ready for one, the, my OTQ and two, the, the world record. So that's kind of the, I guess the, the spark notes from, you know, 2020 being in Boulder to getting this in the back of my head. And then, you know, finally, finally getting it done. 
I guess two questions real quick. How'd you pick Tunnel Hill? Cause it's kind of known like it's under the radar in the Midwest uh, of this is a place to run fast, but it's not, it doesn't draw masses to it. You know, how did you, did you always know about it or did someone point you to it? So yeah, it was pointed out to me. So this was actually a shout out to Fernando Cabada. So again, it was in April of 2021. That's when it was like clicked in my head after I paced. I was like, I think I can do this. Then I was having dinner uh, that next fall. So like November of 2021 with Fernando. Um, if you guys are familiar with that name, mm-hmm. um, you know, another, another pro, pro runner here. I've known, known Fernando since, yeah, mm-hmm. monster. So, um, and kind of a backstory when the U.S. Marathon Championships were held in Twin Cities in like 2008, 2007, <laughs> I begged my mom to drive me down, um, to watch it from Foley and Fernando won that year. And ever since then, I'm like, I'm like, this dude's sick. This dude's dope. And like my first, my first ever road race. Um, on the pro scene, I met Fernando. I told him that story and he's just been like a big brother ever since. So, um, that's really, yeah, cool. really, really good dude. But I was, at, I was having dinner with him, I was having dinner with him that November, um, I'm 21. And he's like, I told him that and he was kind of taken back when I mentioned that I want to go for the record. But he's like, well, if you do it, you should do that tunnel hill. I never heard of it. I had no <laughs> clue, but he's like, I'm like, what is, he's like, it's a double out and back, pretty flat old rail trail. And he's like, oh, but it's also like essentially 99.5% of it is all crushed gravel. And I'm like, why that sounds stupid? He's like, no, it'll save your legs in the long run because you're not pounding them as hard on concrete. And I'm like, so it kind of flips it. Ah, that makes sense. So like in the back of my head, it was always going to be Tunnel Hill for about two years if I did it. Um, so that's okay. me how, how I decided on And like, you know, when, when I was officially left roots this summer and, and knew I wanted to go for it, I was like, I knew Tunnel Hill was in November. Um, you know, emailed Steve Durbin, the race director, and just said, Hey, I think I want to go for, I'm going to go for this record. Um, how's the course looking? Tell me about it. You know, I've seen it, da da da. And he, you know, hopped on a couple, you know, long email chains to like talk about the course, getting it recertified, going for it, drug testing, all that. But, um, so yeah, that's how initially it was Fernando that where that kind of flip switch, like that sounds like a good idea. Okay. And then what did you switch? Obviously, you pushed the volume up, but in, let's say you were going all in for trials. What was the biggest difference between that type of training and going for a 50 mile record? Yeah. So for me, it was like, I just need the volume, the, the intensity and the volume just wasn't what I had done either under Plaz, um, the intensity wise and the volume wasn't there that I'd done with Hanson's. Um, so really I just kind of, to an extent, I don't say copy and paste it, but I would have copy and pasted those two and then mixed them together. It's kind of, kind of what my training has been. Plus I bounced stuff of Plaz and Dez. You know, like one of my last major workouts three weeks up from McCurdy was a workout that Des had just texted me that she had done that she's like, this would fit pretty nicely for you. Um, so, and that was one thing too. There's a lot of like standing rest, you know, with roots. Um, for me, it was like, no, you're, like, you're jogging all that. Um, or you're floating it even more aggressive if you can. Um, and just, you know, like I said, overall increase in, in volume where, you know, for me, it's like, and this is a shout out to them. Like, off of their training that they do, like, you know, Noah's run 209, Frank's run 211, you know, like, like I mm-hmm. need to train harder to try to run that at that level. You know, like I can't, like they do workouts where it's like, you know, five mile tempo, mile float, mile push. I'd like, I do that five mile tempo, do a two mile push, do another, a mile float, and then do another five mile tempo, you know, just stack on top of that. Um, so it's mm-hmm. really, really keep the intensity the same, but just up that volume. So that was kind of probably just, the major change and really going up roughly 60 miles a week, you know, from, from just traditional, you know, 80 miles a week, which is, which is mileage that I ran in early college, you know? Um, so, um, yeah, I just needed, I just That's needed wild more, to think. A lot more, a lot more volume and 
yeah, I just need a lot more work underneath me. And this is again, not a, not a shot of the training. I just don't respond well to fairly what I'd call low mileage. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, just they're great sessions. They're awesome half marathon sessions. But for me, I just, I fit my personally need a lot more to, to run at a higher level. So would it be safe and or fair to say having, that you did marathon training with extra volume? That is that that's that's exactly how I put it. It'd be like marathon training plus, you know, um, with, you know, like like my biggest day was a 35 mile day. It was 28 miles worth of work. Like go for a, a six mile warm up, change shoes, um, you know, like six miles at like marathon pace, mile float, you know, then it was like three miles push, mile float, another six miles at marathon pace, mile float, mile push, like just with a longer cool on to get 28 and then a seven mile shakeout in the afternoon, you know, like just a lot of pure volume, but then also too, I'm, I'm on the track and I'm running 20 by 400 at 60, like my best session this summer, kind of right shortly after, after I left roots was just 20 by 400 average 66 off 200 jog, you know, like still keeping that neuromuscular power and efficiency there. Um, but then I'm also doing How frequently? a shakeout after that to keep, keep the volume high. Um, I was doing VO two sessions at least once a week, which is, I guess the sign of our times, right? Long distance races are now races. Ultras are now raced. And so I suppose you have to be able to train for that. 100, 100%. Yeah. And that's, and that's, and for me too, my background is like, how can I make, or at least in my, my philosophy is how can I make marathon pace feel easy? It's like, you have a lot of power. You have a lot of speed. You're like, you're very efficient at like K's at 250, you know, or if you need to, you know, um, which is, mm-hmm. you know, there's threshold K's at, you know, like five flat pace, but if I can do them at, you know, 420, 430 pace, like that's going to make me even way more efficient. Cause like the aerobic background for me is just kind of always been there and was developed well through Plaz, through Canson's to where I'm at now. Um, so I was just fun well. So the engine's there. It's just, how can I make the wheels turn faster? Um, so that's kind of been, been at least my philosophy and, and, and how I respond to training. So Kirk, I know you have some things to pivot to, but I mean, the, the thing that's jumping out at me is you have a, a very special ability to handle work that for most people, as volume rises, the first thing that's got to go is some VO2 max work at least every other week. Or you've got to cut back on, you know, you got to pick or, or choose what's going to still remain present when you get over 90, over 100, over 120 for sure, over 140 for sure. And yet you're still able to go VO2 max weekly in addition to big, you know, full volume quality sessions. And then doubling every, that, that seems to be like, obviously your mind is, is up there with anyone's, it seems like, but your ability to handle work seems just like outrageous. Yeah, no. And when that's one too, like, I love the work and like, I embrace the work and like, you know, obviously I had a grade four sacral stress fracture. So it's like my body eventually broke truthfully, but it's like, yeah, if I can get nutrition out properly, sleep, sleep enough, stay on top of all my strength with my core. Um, I've noticed that it's, I stay healthy, you know? So, um, just doing doing all the little things. I know it's it's overused at this point, but it's you know I do need to do all the all the little things necessary to stay healthy and train at that level. Um, and for me too, like going back to, to what you mentioned, just like yeah, I keep VO two working, but that makes five forty five thirty pace feel feel pretty dang easy, like pretty automatic. So um, yeah, yeah, just a lot a lot of work behind it for sure. What I was going to wedge in here, um, you guys are both walking me right into it. Is um, I've had I don't know. Let's say a half a dozen stress fractures throughout my years, none in recent times, last three years, knock on wood. But like, I don't, I can't make sense of a grade four sacral stress fracture and then getting yourself back to the volume you have. Um, 
when I've experienced my stress fractures and then recovery, and I've never had a sacral stress fracture, tibia, metatarsals, sesamoids. Um, man, is it a long, it takes me a while to be able to handle volume again. Like how, what, what's the key there? Did, did it take longer? We're just kind of glossing over a ramp up phase of frustration or are you just like, are you just not, not human that way? No, I mean, it was definitely frustrating. I mean, this, the entire really like, you know, this, at this point last year, it was frustrating. I mean, my longest run was not even, I wasn't even double digits yet. Um, you know, every day I just felt pretty lethargic, pretty sluggish. I'm also cross-training on top of running. Um, you know, and even, even this, right. this spring, it was just, it was just frustrating. You know, like I, I wanted to be ramping up more, but my coach at the time was like, you can't, you know, we can't risk this. Um, you know, paces aren't just coming easy whatsoever, you know, at, even like, you know, a tempo at 510 just felt miserable. You know, like I, I would start fading, you know, four, four or five miles in and not being able to hold 510 pace. You know, it's just like the legs just weren't there. The engine was there. The legs just were not because of all the time missed from running. Like, yeah, I was cycling. Yeah, I was in the pool, but it's like you can't simulate that period running. So it was, it was a damn frustrating, frustrating spring, you know, and like I went back to grandma's and it was like, we don't have the volume there. At least the volume that I knew I wanted to run a good marathon. It's so like maybe we'll try to get our OTQ and a half. I went out through through grandma's half like in thirty oh three and then blew up to sixty five, you know, like forty. You know, I was just like oh, the legs just weren't mm. able to handle any so Ouch. yeah, it was it was miserable. Like I was I was so frust I was so frustrated. Um and that's too when it's like I think I, I need a change. Um and, and Des kinda he kinda gave me that, that final push truthfully, but hey, like go do it. You can do your own thing. Like I'm here to help with, with whatever you need, you know, plaz had the call with him too. And I was in Michigan as well, like driving up from Detroit to Desert Ryan's place in Northern Michigan. Um, like you, you only talk about it for so long, so go do it. But yeah, it was a, it was a frustrating first early half. Cause I mean, first early half of 2023, um, just not, not fun, just below. So you're saying, places, but it was also, it's like, got to get myself. I was just say, I, I definitely, you're saying a year ago, cause it's like, you weren't back from, Oh, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, yeah, I was just saying that. Yeah. We got like a three second uh, delay. Like, sorry, man. So there was just a, there was just a period of like, I didn't really give myself enough grace really like this, this spring, but looking back, it was just a string of disappointing races just because my body just wasn't physically ready yet. You know? Well, I think it's just, um, you know, you say a year ago, you weren't, your long run wasn't even to double digits and then fast forward 12 months and you're running 50 miles faster than anybody on earth has ever run it before. That's a testament to stay with it. And I think, I don't know what your perspective is on cross training. Uh, my last stress fractures had me out for five straight months. I had a metatarsal and uh, crack sesamoid and it, it didn't run for five months and, um, I put more time in cross training than I ever had running. And yes, that first few months back was frustrating because I couldn't handle the weight bearing, you know, properties of, of running well. So my legs would go to shit on me pretty quick. But once I turned the corner, I went from like frustrated and then suddenly I was able to access it all again, much quicker. And it didn't happen overnight. It was like a few months back into training and suddenly I'm like, Oh, that, that cross training paid off. Suddenly now I'm up to speed with my resistance to impact now that I've been running consistently and I didn't feel it right away. But like in hindsight, you gotta, you gotta believe that's that diligent cross training three hours in the pool, six hour bike rides. Like, did you experience that flip of a switch when suddenly it started to click, it just started to click. And then you were on like that exponential improvement. That's what I've experienced anyways. Yeah. And honestly, it was definitely like post post grandma's 
you know, when I, uh, kind of just made the, made the shift to like start, start going on my own, start ramping things up. Um, I went out and got a lifetime mile PR, you know, like, like a month later at, at the end of, end of July in, in 411. I saw that. I ran, ran 411. Yeah, buddy. Um, beat you to it. So yeah, like honestly, that's when it started to click and <laughs> yes, sir. And everything was just like, it's kind of firing. Like, um, obviously like I had kind of a pretty bad race at us 20 K championships, but that was, I trained right through that ran, you know, 120 miles a week the week of that, you know, like I didn't really come down at all. I came down like one day prior to the race. Um, but so like things were just like, I knew I was getting fit, um, getting a lot of confidence from that. And again, like my background, if I can run a four eleven mile, like you better believe five, five minute pace is going to feel pretty dang easy just with my aerobic background. So, and, and that cross training, and like I said, that was the mentality. It's like four hours in the pool, four hours on the bike, you know, or, you know, even up to like six hours total, like that shouldn't worry you, man. Like you got to run, you got to run, four hours and 40 minutes and change like that's that's way harder than than biking 50 miles so don't worry about that so take me through if you don't mind the actual race itself double out and back is really cool for an ultra it would suck for a long run i think it's very difficult to go past your destination and keep working but for an ultra it can be beneficial but there i mean i i assume even though you've said a lot of these things have gone really smoothly right up until the time they get tough i assume that heading out again was tricky is that the case or did this just kind of roll for you from the start uh it rolled very easily through 34 so it's like it is a yeah like i said double up max so it's roughly like 13 miles and change south 13 miles and change back through the start then you know 11 or whatever up 11 or whatever back to the finish um and my goal going in like and i talked to des the day before i'm like i think i want some time in the bank she's like that's probably smart just because it's you're in unknown territory. It's going to be hard to negative split no matter how fit you are just because your legs haven't been over, over like, you know, 28 miles, you know, or, or 50 K essentially in all in one shot. Um, mm-hmm. but it started to get hard once I got back through the finish at about 34. Um, but in, in truthfully to the first 25 miles or I was, I had a lot of money in the bank. I averaged like five thirty-five for the first like 25 miles. You know, I didn't have a mile under five forty until mile 25, which was a five forty around the money. Um, and mentally too, I was just like, dude, you're cruising, you got this. Um, but the backside, I'm not sure if you guys know the course, it's a, it's an uphill the entire, for roughly eight, nine miles, um, mm-hmm. from like the f- roughly just past the finish up past to like, the tunnel, actually like the train tunnel is why it's called tunnel hill. You go, you go a couple miles downhill past the tunnel, turn around, head uphill back to the tunnel. Then you have roughly, you know, eight miles back downhill before it flattens out to the finish for about a mile, mile and a half. Um, but it started getting hard fatiguing about 34 um, when, like, I'd have, you know, I'm past 50K. Um, I've never run 34 miles in my life. I'm going uphill um, and just trying to maintain maintain pace. So that's when it got really kind of a, a gut check, like, stay committed. But mentally, I was like, dude, you ran 16 miles in Boulder at 540 pace, you know, a few weeks ago. Like, you you got this easy in the mud. Like, in the bag, just get to the top or get to the turnaround, then you know you're going home next and you got the downhill. So that was kind of my my mentality. So truthfully, it was pretty, I won't say effortless, but it came, went pretty smoothly the first, you know, 30, 34 miles when I started like, really had to had to dig my teeth in. When you turned around to go down, and it's not a, it's obviously not a steep downhill, but everything's magnified after hours. Were you able to use that or were you pretty beat up by that point? Um, I used it, but also because I needed it truthfully. Um, see so the thing is like, I put okay. so much work in on that uphill, just maintaining pace. And again, like I had a lot of time in the bank. So I was like, I'm, as I'm going uphill and 
and I'll put this in perspective too. Like if I were just to like to run downhill for that like eight, nine mile stretch, I could run 440 pace going down it fully fresh. Cause it's, it's a perfect little downhill, like just the entire time. Um, but I never just like, again, I've never been 41 miles into race. Um, and had to go downhill. So like, <laughs> my quads are pretty fried. And then I'm, mm. then I'm essentially like loading them essentially every step. So every step is pretty painful. Especially at 42, I was like, holy crap, I need to stay on my feet or this could go bad, like really quick. So it, it, it helped me stay close to pace. However, it was pretty painful just loading my quads every step, um, on that downhill. And then Kirk, I, I have two so more was... questions about the race and then like take over. Yeah. But, uh, first of all, yeah. I saw that you obviously you ran the same shoes the entire time. It looked like, and you were in super shoes the whole time. And I, and I kind of feel like everyone finds their sweet spot with the super shoe. Like there's one shoe you could take long, but at any, any distance, like eventually that plate starts to cause as many issues as it helps for a lot of people. Was it always beneficial or at some point where you're like soleus or Achilles or calves kind of shot from it? Honestly, everything was great. Um, the only really? thing, so I, I wore alpha flies for, for, for the listeners. Yeah. Um, I, everything was great. The worst part was my feet. So there's, I've always had a hot spot on like just underneath, like the ball of my foot, um, with alpha flies, <laughs> even during like half marathons. Then obviously 50 miles just compounds on that. So I had the worst blisters I've ever had in my life right on like the front of my arches, um, just shredded the skins, just peeling off. Like they're three inches long. They're bleeding. Um, I kind of felt that happening, but obviously like you're in the moment, so you don't really pay attention to it. But I mean, when I took my feet off or my shoes off after the race, they're just destroyed. Um, but that being said, like no, no issues. The plate was good. You know, the only thing like were the, were the gnarly blisters. And again, like a marathon, it probably wouldn't have happened, but when you throw an extra two and a half hours on top of that, it, uh, things compound mm-hmm. for sure. And then my last piece before you just take her home, Kirk is typically fueling for a 50 miler is going to look a lot different than someone who's trying to run like fairly high pace the entire time. So I, I obviously you can't follow a typical fueling plan. Did you just extend your marathon fueling plan or did you meet in the middle? Uh, copy and pasted it and extended it. Yeah. Um, so traditionally my, my bottles are going to be, um, with the marathon, it was like, I had three different, so within a marathon, you have nine bottles or is it eight? nine bottles. So it was like, um, no, excuse me, eight bottles. So it was it'd be like every bottle was like, you mean BPNs go G1M, which is a carb mix. Second one was going to be, um, electrolytes with a gel. Third one is G1M with ketones. And I rotate that from a marathon every three for this one. I just went every other first one was a electrolytes with a gel. Um, then the next one was going to be G1M with a ketone. And I just rotated that, you know, five, 10, 50, like roughly the, that's the thing about ultras too. It's like, it's not every 5k. It's it's kind of sporadic at the aid stations, you know, and I just ran right by like, you know, my girlfriend or my dad would just hand me the bottle. I grab it, keep running, um, throw it back and, you know, throw it in the woods. Um, so yeah, it, it was just, you know, kind of copy and paste it and just threw, I knew like, knew that it, that they both sat very, very, very well in my stomach. So I just kind of did that and gave my stomach enough variation where I wouldn't, wouldn't get sick of one single thing with the gel and electrolytes going back to the ketone and then mm-hmm. the carb mix. Um, so that was a plan, just rotate those two. And, and obviously it worked. I mean, towards the end, like I mentioned 42, when I got really hard, um, I was just, again, legs are blowing up. I'm sure I'm just bonking at that point too, you know, um, so I'm that far into race, but again, I had enough time in the bank and knew I could hold, you know, six lows to, to get home. So, I mean, if it works, that's nice that you don't have to do any more fiddling with it. That's cool. 
Exactly. Yeah. And I, and I had an extra gel and ketone shot in my, in my half tights that I wanted to save just for emergencies. But when I got to 42, I was like, I want to save till 45. Cause it wasn't the last aid station was like 41 to 47. And I was like, I want to save it till like 45. Then I can maybe skip my last bottle at 47, just get home. But at 42, I'm like, I need this right now. I just ripped it. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Uh, uh, the, is there, is there anything to the ketone shot for you? I assume you're not a fat, a fat adapted athlete. So I could be wrong, I guess I'm assuming there, but, uh, any, is there any reason for the ketone shot in particular that you feel difference? Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's in my opinion, in my opinion, man, it's the best product I take like for, for my runs and my training. Hmm. Um, you know, I'm not, I want to give like a massive sales pitch here, but just for, for energy and focus, it's tremendous. I mean, like it's, you know, the studies, you know, show through, they cross the blood brain barrier, um, instant brain energy. So even if it's just like, not necessarily like physical energy, um, you know, you're going to be able to stay, stay a little more dialed and focus at the task at hand. Um, at the point too, where it's like, I am bonking in the later stages of a marathon or in the 50 mile, it's like, my body's going to go start going into ketosis anyways, when I'm carb depleted. So it's like, instead of having to go into like desperation mode and create the ketones itself, they're already, they're already there. Cause I've been stacking them with the carbs for the last 40 miles. Um, so just a little extra kind of dual hmm. feeling source. So I, I mean, I, I love it. Like I'm, I'm a sponsored athlete by them, but like I genuinely use the product. Like I'm two shots in today. I'm going to take another shot before I go for my second run. Um, I just feel, feel pretty dang good off of them. So, and are you popping caffeine an during this as well? Working. Um, so no. So, I mean, I, I had coffee and then, uh, just a, a mix hmm. of, um, like a caffeine supplement right before, um, like an hour before the start, but then my caffeine is, uh, just It's not caffeine, but it's just, it's just the ketone shots as my kind of caffeine replacement. So. Okay. I got an athlete who, um, just moved to Austin. He's working in the BPN warehouse over the holidays. Uh, so he's been ch- uh, jabbering my ear off about, uh, all the, the free supplements he's been getting and he's all stoked on them. So I saw that was on your page. I thought that was coincidental. He'll get a kick out of this. Um, question about the alpha flies on crushed gravel. I ran in my alpha flies. I'm a big alpha fly fan. Yeah. Um, and we got some snow recently. I live out North of the city. So I'm running on like County highways and crap a lot. And they threw salt down and I feel like my alpha flies get shit traction on gravel, like the kitty litter type stuff, the the salt on the side. He's in the twos. Oh yeah. So I'm, I'm still in the originals. I prefer them. So is there different, I guess the bottom's different, huh? It probably grabs better, but I get no traction on that stuff. So you were gripping okay on the crushed gravel? Yeah, alpha flies were, were just good on the crushed gravel, at least for me. So huh. there, truthfully, okay. there were a couple sandy parts, like just pure sandy parts that maybe I was slipping a little bit from like kind of right before, like probably miles like 10 to 13. But other than that, it's like there was one paved part and it's like, it's crazy the difference, how, how much more efficient they are on, on road for sure. But um, I, I had no issues. I'm trying to picture the bottom of the recent because I just I'm so partial to the the first that I just keep finding them wherever I can. It's waffle. I guess I'd have to look at the bottom. The Maybe it's, it's, it's waffleish. Yeah. It's like it's like the Vaporfly three bottom. I think I'm gonna similar. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That would that would grab better. Um. So for our listeners, then you took down Jim Wamsley's record. What was Jim Wamsley's 50 mile record, and what did you run? Tell us the average pace. All that. So his record was 450.08, 5.48 pace. I ran 4.48.21, which is 5.46 pace. But I did thought, I mean, I, I like my last couple miles were, were 6.30s. You know, like I was, I was blowing up, but I had so much time in the bank to work with that I, that I knew I had it truthfully. 
Um, but yeah, so I broke it by, you know, two seconds a mile and like, you know, I guess minute 47 seconds, I believe is how much I beat it by. Did you ever doubt it ever? Was there ever an oh shit moment? Cause like when it goes south later, it can really go south When the wheels fall off. They fall off hard, right? Never a doubt. You sound pretty confident. There was, there was never a doubt. There was like an oh shit moment at 47. Um, when I was like, I'm not like, I'm really blowing up here. Um, and I'm not like, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm moving, I'm picking my quads up, putting them down, but I'm just doing that. I'm not getting any power out of them. So actually I stopped right after mile 47 to stretch my quads for about 10 seconds and started running again. It helped a ton, um, just to get back moving. So that was a gamble that I was like in my mind for about four miles prior. I'm like, don't do it. Don't stop. You won't be able to start again. Um, but yeah. then I was able to said about 10 seconds, quick, quick quad stretch. And then boom, I was back rolling at, at low six pace. So, um, so it was never a, again, no doubt. Like I was doing the mental math. I'm like, I can run very high sixes for the last like four miles and still get it. Um, so that would have been so brutal if your legs had locked up when you stopped. <laughs> oh, I would have, I, I would have just started walking back to Boulder if that happened. I like I would have been so frustrated. That's what I was about. like. Do not stop. Do not stop. But I'm like, but I'm like, I gotta try something, you know, just to like. And again, I was like, I have time to work with, you know. I can, I can run. Said damn near seven minute mile pace for the last, you know, four miles. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that would have been would have been traumatic for sure. But uh, it didn't happen. And I was just, you know, as soon as I stretched my arms in my head, I'm like screaming, like fucking go, go, like in my head. I was able to pick it up, and I'm back running. Like I said, six flat pace. So, so. So what does this mean for you then, man? Like, obviously you came up the big high of getting the record at uh, a far off pursuit that um, you've worked really hard for. I mean, you're putting in hours a day, all those miles that nobody, those unglorious miles that nobody really gives a shit about, right? You're not getting patted on the back every time you go do your 14 and five or whatever it is. And now, now we got it, right? It's like my two questions really, um, my last two questions are like, what has it done for you? Has, has anything really changed in your world as far as recognition goes? Does this open doors in the future for you? Do you feel like, um, I guess we'll just start with that one. Like, is anything, is this like, obviously you're in these huge, yeah. highly esteemed podcasts now. So you're probably like a celebrity. Tell me about it. Yeah. No, I mean, truthfully, I don't want this to come off like arrogant or cocky, but like in my head, in the pool, in the training, like all my runs leading up to it, like, there was never really a doubt. Like I was like, I just got to go do it. Like I'm gonna go break this thing. Like I truly believe I could go do it. So in my mind, I like before I even that gun went off, I, like I was already gonna break this thing or already had it. So you know, mentally nothing's really changed. Just like we just got to get back to work and like I just want to take this space over now. Like again, like I'm a 216 guy. It's a good marathon. It's not a great marathon. I'm not gonna make an Olympic team or a world team. So it's like, what can I be the best in the world at and try to dominate? Like hopefully the road ultra space. So. You know, like I wanted to go try to win comrades. I'm not sure if this year or next year, um, you know, I want to go break the hundred K world record. I want to win a world title at the hundred K. So I want to go win a US 50 K championship because I haven't done that yet. Um, but yeah, just like just really try to own this space that I'm in right now. Um, and obviously still try to remain a good marathoner, you know, through it all. Cause I think that's going to help, you know, if I can run five minute pace, five ten pace, that's going to make five thirty, five forty pace feel like a breeze, you know, at least with my background. So, um, that's kind of kind of what's next what what i'm looking towards right now i'm sure people are in your ear already but do you have any draw towards the trails even like a smooth trail or are you just locked in on the roads i mean like so i guess tunnel hill is technically a you know a, a trail or it's like you know an all surface distance <laughs> 
Truthfully, not really. <laughs> I mean, everyone's like, we're talking to we're talking to some brands right now, and they're like, well, when are you going to do? The, when are you going to move the trails? And I'm like, truthfully, hopefully, never. I don't want to. Like, I'm I'm good enough at this right now. Where like, why'd you take a like? I've I've a Mustang. I drive a Mustang, so like, I wouldn't take this thing off roading. Like, why why would why would I go to hit the trails? You know, um, mm-hmm. so. I don't, we'll see, you know, it's been playing into my ear a few times by a few people. Um, and truthfully, if there's a chance to go, go dominate that to be fun. I just like, for me, I just love flat. Well, not, not flat, but just fast surfaces versus technical stuff. Um, with, yeah. obviously I'll take vert in a marathon, but like when you're talking trail vert, I don't like that. So that makes sense. Is there any money in the road ultra scene? And I mean that at face value, that's for not sure. like a, you know, it, it, a snide I, comment. Yeah, no, I mean, it's like, so it's, it's pretty, pretty niche, right? I mean, there's, there's the, the Leadville, the Western States UTMBs, like that's very lucrative. And there's the marathon, the marathons, marathon's still kind of the granddaddy of them all, right? Like super sexy that distance. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of like in this middle ground where it's like, like, hopefully like I can kind of start bringing some popularity to it. Like that'd be kind of the goal of mine. Um, and yeah, you know, there's, there's opportunities that are there for sure. Um, it's just, you know, having kind of getting the, the right, Right financial situation for sure. To, I guess to, to answer your question, but yeah, there's there's money to be made there 100, especially in you know it's, it's hard to run a 50 mile and then double back and do it again the next weekend. You know, same with like a marathon. Right. It's like you strike gold in it, you can do uh, you can do pretty well. And if, if you're competing to to win these world titles, you know, a race like comrades, like oh yeah, you can uh, you can do well. Mm-hmm. Are, are brands always going to want to try to pull you to do another thing? Or are there are there brands that are just totally cool with road ultra with the the odd marathon? Or are they always going to be like, hey, come on, do Western States or do Leadville or let's 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 do something else so that we can get our audience a little bit like more involved? Yeah, so I hate saying this, but yeah, they're they're always going to try to pull. At least at this point, it seems like you want to pull me towards uh, towards trails. I'm just like, why? Like I'm in this space where I just broke a world record. Like I want to go break another one. I want to go in a world title. Like why would I yeah. leave something that I'm like striking gold in at, at this moment? Um, but again, too, like truthfully, like I, I don't want to say I'm like driven by money, but at the same time, it's like, I am, you know, financially driven for sure. And it's like, if I can go, mm-hmm. go dominate the trail scene at some point or go win a, you know, I don't, I don't know, go, go do a Leadville Western States. You know, here's the thing too. It's like, I got to go get a golden ticket somewhere. Like, I don't necessarily want to go do a random trail. It's just to get a golden ticket just to run Western States, you know? So, um, cause that's what take yeah. away from either a marathon training I'm doing or getting ready for a, a faster road ultra. So, um, well, even we'll Western see, States, the question, there's always going to be a little bit of a, yeah. Even yeah, like a Western yeah, States that's kind of tame or smooth. It still would take a lot of hours until you're comfortable with that feeling tame and that, yeah, that would detract from your mission at hand. 100%. 100%. And at this point too, I'm pretty focused on, on the road on, on one, like becoming a better marathon. I got the trials coming up in seven and a half weeks and two, just like, like trying to dominate the, the road ultra scene. Um, when I, when I can no longer do that, we'll, we'll chat trails, you know, that makes sense. It'd be fun to follow this up in about a decade, Charlie, when you're going to be about five years deep into your trail career, you just don't know it yet. That's what I think. <laughs> well, I'm a betting man. I'm betting on it. I'm just saying, um, yes. Do you have a Dude, response to that? That's what everyone's telling me. Uh-huh. It'll, it, you're good drug. enough it's gonna happen you're gonna it, it's a it is and you got you got you're talented and hardworking enough that there's gonna be some dangling fruit for you to go chase and there's get something's gonna get you in the door 
prize purse, a record, somebody telling you you can't because you're not good enough, you're only good on the roads, that chip's going to get on your shoulder real deep, and you're going to be in. You're going to be so in. That's what I think. Yeah, I know. Uh, something like that will, will pull, like someone will just piss me <laughs> off enough. I'll be like, all right, well, I'll, I'll go show your, show your ass and we'll, yeah. uh, we'll go ball out, hopefully. Uh-huh. So, okay, we got like three to five minutes and then this thing's got to be done. Um, I want to I want to give the listeners Charlie Lawrence's top three ultra quality sexy sessions. We'll call them. What are the What are your three favorites that you you don't have to give away specifics if you don't want to, but as close as you can. Your three favorite quality sessions that make a difference for you. Um, let's call marathon and above. What are your What are your three that you really feel like move the needle for you? Oh man, um, th- this one will like again. People are like, "What are you doing?" Um, for me, it's eight to 10 by one K 400 with 200 meter jog rest, 400 jog between the sets. So like the K at like VO two ish. So like two fifty five ish, um, 200 jog, go get the 400 at like 65, 66, 67, 5k. I love that one. Um, and truthfully just kind of my, and then what's after the 400, just go run 25 months. So you go a K uh, 400 jog K 400 jog recovery. K so K four hundred jog recovery four hundred four hundred jog recovery repeat that cycle. Uh, so it is one K, two hundred jog, four hundred hard, huh. then four hundred jog recovery after that. So that's one set. Got it. It's a big workout. <laughs> workout bites. Mm-hmm. Workout bites. Yeah, it hurts, but it's like, but you just just lean, just suck it up, like lean into it, like you. It turns you into monster. So, um, that one for sure. Um, I mean, this is just a classic, like I did it on, I did it on Sunday, just 25 miles at like sub six out the gates, like just let the miles come to you, um, uh, practice bottles. So I did 25 miles at 548 pace on Sunday, um, five mile shakeout that afternoon to get a 30 mile day. So that's just a, it's kind of a classic Sunday, like one of my favorites. Um, I think what else? it's like, go and sit and sub again, threshold and grind. Also, exactly. Yeah. Just go, go run, go run hard for. Hmm two hours, 20 minutes, two hours, 30 minutes, like practice some fluids. Um, then I'll say this is like kind of almost going back on what I just said, but like from the first workout, but I still have the 20 by 400, like four or 200 jog, like at 5k, just go do it. Like I love, I love K's at like VO2. I love hard 400s and hard long runs. Like there's nothing too crazy. Um, those are probably my top really three. Um, then there's obviously some other like just tempo, mile float, mile pushes, repeat that twice, you know, um, type of work. So, but yeah, if I had, if I had to go three, probably those, mm. those three right there. It's big, but it's not like pull your hair out trying to understand it training. You know, like th- these are big workouts, but they're not convoluted, crazy, like put everything together. No, no, nothing to do is like that crazy or that wild or that impressive. It's just like a lot of work behind it. And then I go do a minimum five mile second run, you know, at the end of the day, you know, just to stack on top of it. So, um, you know, the mileage, mileage adds up for sure. <laughs> well, it's like, if you, if you're talking like tempo, mile float, mile push, mile float, tempo, repeat, like you may be doing 10 miles of quality or 12 to 14 miles of quality in that session, which isn't in a, like a lot of people's boxes, you know, that does add up. So, I mean, the volume of your quality can be pretty high at times from what I'm understanding. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, th- there was one day too, where this is like, yeah. this is two and a half weeks out from my 50 miler, a couple weeks after my, my marathon. Like I'm at, I'm at a road, it's called Marshall road in South Boulder. 
and and Roots is out there, my my former team. They're doing six by a mile off of like three minute jog. I'm doing twelve by a mile off a ninety second jog. Like, um, you know, just like take take yeah. you know other workouts and just like double it. You know, like it was just kind of fu- funny times. I literally did double their workout with with the rest. That was you know cut their rest in half and double double the work on top of it and keep the paces relatively similar. So. That age, that age old uh, adage there, like, hey, if you're struggling in training, do twice as much at the same pace, and you'll start to click. <laughs> exactly, and, and also, and also that did too. Like, I got there before them. They finished their workout as I'm still doing reps. Then I forgot I did, I did um, four by thirty second hills, or sorry, six by thirty second hills after too. So like, it was just just keep stacking, you know, keep keep the speed up too. So, well, now that everybody listening feels inadequate, Charlie. Where can they uh, follow along with your with your journey and such? Uh, easiest way, Instagram, Lawrence underscore Char. So if you DM me, call me by Charlie, please. I get so many people that are like, hey, Lawrence. It's not my name. It's Charlie Lawrence, but definitely Instagram. Okay. Instagram, is anybody supporting you these days you want to shout out or anything like that? Uh, I mean, right now, biggest one, definitely. Definitely Key 10 IQ, HMN. Um, you know, I'll, I'll say this, um, you know, right now, well, obviously talking with shoe companies, um, uh, my BPN contract ends December 31st. We're still going through negotiations. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens around on the, the nutrition supplement front, but, um, yeah, I definitely got those two in my corner and obviously can't forget her. She hates me when I talk about running too much or talk about breaking this record for so long, but yeah, my girlfriend's there, obviously Des and Plaz. So those are the, that's the, uh, the crew right there. Not a bad group of people to have in your corner. No, no, not at all. And they, they deal with all my all my training shit and going to bed early. Well, the, mostly Alice and my girlfriend. Just uh, definitely me being a little little too cocky, too arrogant sometimes. But she she deals with the wells and puts me in my place when it's needed. So we all need a woman like that in our lives. So I think that's about it, Charlie. We appreciate your time, man, today. And congrats on the record. I'll be. I gave you a follow on Instagram. I'm very. Uh, I'm very curious to follow along and see what you do coming up in a. At least, you know, again, in five or 10 years, I'll see what trails you're hitting just to back up my little bet here. But anything else, Bracken, that you want to you wanna throw out there? Are we good? Nah, man. Good luck at trials. We'll be watching. We'll be cheering along with you. We've got a bunch of our friends out there, and it'll be cool to add another person to our tracker list. Awesome, boys. Yeah, I appreciate it. It'll be uh, Trials will be fun. We'll see uh, see what the day gives us. Could be. Uh, I'm hoping for a lot of Connors, personally, because I'll argue them. I'll argue it probably, probably one of the strongest in the field, so I hope I can run. Hope I can run a lot of people down. So it'll be hot. It'll be humid. People are going to get out hot anyway. You'll eat them up. Yep. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be great. Can't wait. All right. Well, thank you so much. Of course, yeah. Thanks, you. Thanks, boys. Have a good one. You too.